Welcome to the Making Laps Podcast. I didn't know we were recording. <laughs> it's a fun riff to play, too. Are we actually recording? Yes, we are. Oh. Yeah, I paid $4,000 for this. <laughs> Yay, I'm blind for a week so far, and it's still continuing. Okay, since we are recording, hello and welcome to the Making Laps podcast. I am your host, Brent Gleason. Alongside me, as usual, is my co-host and brother, Jesse Gleason. No music bed for me. And with us on the line, yet again, is our Florida Connection, Florida Senator Phil Jakes. Yeah, I haven't heard this one yet. Acapella? I'm so sorry, I cannot sleep, I cannot dream tonight. I need somebody and always. This sick, strange darkness comes creeping on, so haunting every time. And as I stare, I count it. Oh, boy. From webs of all of the spiders, catching things and eating their insides. Like indecision to call you. I think he's checked hey, out. Your voice of treason. <laughs> This thing just won't end, will it? Oh, I go um, to the end of the hook, Brent. Not bad. Yeah. Uh, Six point two. Not bad. I was gonna say I figured I it sounded it was creative uh, and different. It's the same guy, I think. What same guy for what? Oh, did he do all the different voices? He did all the different voices. Yeah. Okay, well, I'll give him a little bit more credit if it's just one guy doing that. Because I was like, if that's a group of them and they do that a lot, then it probably sounded better in their head than in practice. But since it <laughs> since it was only one guy, okay, I'll give you a little credit. My attention was different this time. Not even to troll you. Hey, it can't okay. all be jokes or you know bad. Sometimes we have to throw a curveball in there. The hurricane will no, blow you them. Got, you got the joke today. Oh, don't don't remind me of the fucking hurricane. The hurricane will blow you closer at home. That's what I'll do. You have to evacuate. <laughs> Listen, in fucking Florida, you don't worry unless the Waffle House closes. I have a double. That's when you. That's when you fucking worry about the hurricane. I have a double bed. We can snuggle. I'm, I'm I have a California Actually, king. A king. Well, yeah. That's okay. <laughs> yeah. All right. If you're new to the show, welcome. We do these shows live to tape, if you don't know. Uh, that means we kind of record as if we are doing this live. And we're I don't, still recording. And I don't edit it. Oh, thank God. We're actually recording still this week because uh, last week, uh, I am back quarterbacking the show this week. I will be reading my own notes. I can actually do that. Um, but last week, we had Jesse doing it, and I had uh, given him my notes and... Boy, that was tough because uh, we usually start our episodes off with personal updates, and since I'm doing that now, I might as well go into it. Uh, yeah, I had that PRK, whatever it's called. It's not LASIK. It's kind of close to it, but it's way worse. <laughs> A laser eye surgery. 
and I think I talked about cookie cutters last week, which was gross. Um, they shaved your eyeball. Well, they didn't really shaved them. They carved out a very small circle and pulled the... How am I supposed to make fun of you in your glasses now? What am I supposed to say? Ha ha, two eyes, ha ha. It's kind of no eye. It's like one eye right now. (laughs) It's like half an eye. But uh, yeah, I had that PRK laser surgery. And if you don't know what it is, just Google that. And apparently it's a lot longer recovery time. And boy, do I know that. Um, Last week, I was kind of in hell during the show. I had my sunglasses on. I had my eyes closed the whole time. I'm using prescription eye drops. I had Jesse talking with my notes. And it was good because he carried it really well. And he gave you people two and a half hour show, which was huge. Um, But I went to the doctor the day after. This isn't news we missed from last week that because we released the show too early, also known as not so news because it did happen on a Tuesday. But um, (laughs) Jesse was ready. Just ready for it. Um, I went to the eye doctor on my day after checkup, and I found that my left eye had... It was in so much pain, I couldn't stand it. But we went to the doctor early, and I got my eye looked at, and he's like, yeah, there's something wrong. Pulled the... he pulled. I'm like, well, yeah, no shit. That's why I'm here early. Um, so he pulled the protective contact lens off, or bandage lens, or whatever they call it, and he's like, yeah, there's a whole bunch of debris in here. So he, he had to basically scrub my eye what do you clean. Mean debris? Like cat fur and dust. Oh. Yeah. Fucking cat. How does that get in the hospital? It wasn't in the hospital. It was in my bed. No. Okay. So basically, I got my eye flushed back out, cleaned back up, put a new contact lens in. And he's like, you got cats? I said, yep. He said, get them the fuck out of your bedroom. I'm like, yeah, that was my plan the whole time. So I went home and vacuumed the whole house, cleaned my bed, got rid of all the cats, kicked them out of the room for the whole week, and uh, hadn't had a problem since, so that's pretty good. But now my left eye is not as healed as my right eye, and so that's going to take a little longer. But they said recovery time could be anywhere between one to four weeks. I'm like, so this could happen for a goddamn month? Oh, (laughs) Oh, man. So, yeah, that sucks. But if you're going to get LASIK, see if you can get the regular LASIK, the one where they just flap the thing up and then put it back down, and it's usually a week, and you can actually see well pretty much right away. Yeah, get that one instead. Not the one that I had to get because of the biological makeup of my eye. You should have to have, like, a emergency medical leave. That's what you should get. (laughs) I know. I have sick leave, though. So, basically, I missed all of last week at work. And I took a look at it today, and I'm like, I can't see to drive still. Like, I literally cannot see to drive. So I'm like, all right, I guess I'm going to miss another week of work. So I told work I'm not coming in this week until I actually can see well enough to drive because I kind of need that, and I kind of need Did to be able to... you come up with a new joke to tell them you weren't coming in? No, I'm I'm not that good with the dad jokes. It's still I still have an eye problem and can't see myself coming in. So I gotta come up with something better. So I don't know. I got that going for me. I haven't touched the garage. I haven't touched the race car. I haven't touched a thing having to do with racing. I missed the latest Sid's view uh shoot. I missed uh Stafford. Well they didn't race anyway, so who the hell cares? I think everybody missed that one. Um so yeah, that's really 
I don't have a lot going on. I got the late model in the garage. It's waiting for exhaust to be put on it. But uh, I think I'm just going to force myself outside. And uh, did you know something? You should have gave him your phone and said, hey, listen, I had to give my glasses to my to my phone. You know why? Why? Because he lost all his contacts. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus Christ, that hurt. <laughs> that hurt a lot. Uh, so I got a lot of good ideas to get the car going again. The street stock, not the late model. But the late model is in the garage because I wanted to completely redo the exhaust because it was kind of hacked together. I think I might have mentioned this before. It had one illegal muffler. It's just not put together very well. So I said, all right, I'm going to redo it and do it my way. So it actually looks good and is functional. So I was in process for that. Then I had the laser eye surgery and hey Brent. cookie cutters and huh? Guess who guess who bumped into everybody on their way to the eye doctor? Uh you. <laughs> <laughs> was that cornea? <laughs> <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> we're eight minutes in and I'm already punchy. I know we're only eight minutes in and I'm like done with my updates. No, I got some ideas though to kind of float around. I feel like I'm my house is too dry and I have severe dry eye problems. So in order for my eyes to heal better, I got to get outside and in the humidity and uh, let that affect my eyes. So I'm just going to put on like three pairs of protective lenses and go in my shop <laughs> to hell with you it. You want to hear the wildest thing for someone for Florida to say? Uh, what's that? I have a humidifier over in the back corner. <laughs> Why? Just open a window. <laughs> because of all the equipment in here, I need it. But it, it was really weird trying to buy it at Walmart because they don't sell them there. Yeah, you're buying that off Amazon immediately. <laughs> yeah. You're not even going to come close to buying that. <laughs> I, I will say, though, I, I struggle with like nosebleeds from getting really dried out. Mm. And just having that in here running on low all the time, the house... Just for whatever reason, I, I don't have issues. I haven't had nosebleed in over a year since I got it. So I'm sure it will help your eye issue, too. Yeah, I have significant dry eye problems. Like, people don't quite understand. Some people are like, oh, yeah, my eyes feel sandy once in a while. It's like, no, no. If I don't have my prescription eye drops and, like, some weird cream before I go to bed so that my eyes don't dry out overnight, my eyes will literally self-destruct. Like, I've gone to the hospital because my eyes have torn themselves apart. Like, it's that yep. bad. So, like, I have to... I think my house has just, like, the air conditioning's on. I'm constantly sitting in air conditioning. I just think that I'm in too dry of a climate. Maybe if I go outside and just get in the humidity and just fart around on the race car or something, maybe it'll heal better because it won't be so dry. I don't know. I don't have a humidity. Hey, you know. Brent. What's that? Why do potatoes make the greatest spotters? I don't know. Because they keep their eyes peeled. <laughs> don't say peeling eyes. <laughs> oh, God. I won't get the... Vi I, I've been grossing people out with my description of how my surgery went, and it's just disgusting. <laughs> like, oh, yeah, the doctor pries your eyes open and then takes surgical cookie cutters and cuts your eye open. It's like... Bleh, uh. Yeah, it's awful. Anyway, uh, hopefully that'll heal up soon. That'd be great. I still got a race in like two weeks. 
Um, who knows if I'm going to make it to that? <laughs> Great. Uh, so yeah, that's that. I got a lot of. Well, like, if, you, if you don't make that race, all the more reason to run the late model at the World Series. Yeah, exactly. I, I don't really give a shit about points because they don't seem to really care too much about points because I finished on the podium last year in points and didn't get a banquet or a trophy or check or anything. So um, all the less incentive for me to really care, I guess. But uh, the only reason I'm kind of racing is because I don't want racing to go away at Thompson, trying to participate instead of uh, saying, oh, it's a midweek show. I can't make it. It's like, I have days off. I can just go. Here's a question. What if... They gave you guys, say, six oval races and then two road course races. Would I would do it. I'd be so game. Interesting. Interesting question. It would be it would be a way to get some more more of the oval track type car racing there. I would be game. It, it, it might be something to maybe suggest to the the people in charge. Just an idea. I know there's a lot of people that loved it when it happened. Can we run the track the backwards? No. Damn. No. No, my, it's not safe. My issue I don't want to is, turn is, left on the roval part. My issue is that um they've tried putting oval cars on the road course twice and like the only people that showed up were the people who put the show on, which I think was like the mini stock tour. And right. they, they were in cahoots but it wasn't with a points race. They were in cahoots with the street stock tour and the only people that showed up were those, and I think they had a late model division, and like nobody showed up for it, and it was just kind right, of a flunk, it, you know what I mean? So I don't think again, they would do though, it again. It, it wasn't a points race. If it's part of a year-long points deal, I think it'd be different. I would love to do it. I would need different yeah. gearing in my car, but you know, I'd still love to do it. Oh, everybody would. Yeah. I. It, it would be hard with the transmissions, too, but... And you have to throw an extra quarter or two in the engine. That's eh, not a big deal. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and they don't really like to, uh, carburetors typically, I don't know what it is, but uh, they don't like to turn right <laughs> for some reason. The way we set them up, they just don't like it. I don't know if it's a... Is it a carburetor or a fuel pickup? It could be the pickup, because I remember your car, every time I'd take the hard right, on uh, NASCAR four and three or mm -hmm. oval track now four and three because you're going the wrong way. Mm -hmm. If it's a hard right, the car would just die. Right, the car would just die and the oil pressure would go to zero. So, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You might want to put the pickup in the middle of the tank or do something else, but it was a lot of fun to, to race the road course. I just don't foresee people really being that interested who race on the oval, even though it is incredibly fun. Um, I, I don't know. I would love to do it, but I doubt it'll ever happen. But <clears throat> I keep mentioning the street stock and then glossing over it for some reason, but I do have a lot of plans and ideas that don't really involve a lot of changes, though. I think the only changes I'm going to do is geometry just go through that and make sure that works properly um ride height to get the car to sit properly as well because the left side is like way off on the right side the right side's way too high um and then alignment just string the car and make sure it's right and that's pretty much it i mean i might play with some lead just to get the numbers back to where i want it but other than that i think i think we're really just kind of missing out on the basics I don't think it's really spring shock 
bar, et cetera, related. I think we're pretty close. I think we just got to nail, you know, if the car is going in a straight line or not. So, you know, that whole thing. Um, And then after that, I'm, geez, I really want to get the late model put together if I either sell it or race it. I mean, if somebody comes along with the right offer, I'll sell it in a heartbeat, but um, nobody's really made me an offer and it's not, it's not entirely for sale yet. Cause I do want to, I don't want to sell a car in pieces. I'd really rather sell it in, you know, working order and looking proper. But I mean, it's not that I couldn't, I have everything to do it. It's just that, you know, I see a lot of people looking for the ACT late models right now. And, uh, I've got one. Like I said, if anybody wants to throw me a really awesome offer on whatever race car I own, feel free. And uh, I don't know. Maybe it'll go away. Maybe it won't. But either way, I got to get rid of one of them. And I know which one I'd really prefer to get rid of. And uh, anyway, got a lot of work to do and a lot of healing left to do. So uh, I'll have to keep track of that as I uh, go to put more eye drops in my face. Who's next? I don't really have a lot. Hmm. We uh, we took the team cars, Daniel and Tim's, up to uh, Auburndale for the SRL. Kicked off the second half of the season, uh, seventy-five lapper, rough race. Uh, Tim kind of got driven into the infield, passing someone for the win or for the lead, which Tim's car was hooked up enough. I think if he got by, he would have just checked out um daniel's car was great to start but we think he just got a bad tire because it just went wicked free and ended up having to come in and put two whole rounds of bar in the thing so uh did not get home till about 3 30 in the morning that was uh woof a little yeah it's kind of a little difficult to get used to that that's a regular occurrence here in florida uh but that place had over 100 cars in the pits. They had 55 Crown Vicks. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, it was absolute insanity. They had a 28-car B-Main. Jesus. The guy that started last in the B-Main won the B-Main, transferred to the A-Main, finished third in the A-Main. Probably shouldn't have been in the B-Main. <laughs> well. Probably got penalized he, and had to start last in the B-Main exactly he something there was something they didn't like on his car or something i didn't know exactly what it was uh so they told him his penalty was he cannot qualify he has to start last in the b main and so he did and made a deal that if he wanted he could start in the a main and he drove all the way up to third so but uh they're taking the pro and the sportsman to auburndale and showtime next weekend i won't be there i have prior plans uh but then my car hopefully after next week will be going to rfd to get the body put on it i'm starting to fab up the x i got all the grinding done this weekend starting to fab up the x and the drive shaft tubes and the third link and everything up underneath it and uh I actually think I might have picked up a new crew member too, which is kind of exciting. It's hard to find crew guys. You mean you I, get uh, help? Holy shit! You actually get help. Yeah, I, I bought a lawnmower yesterday. Just it, I was sitting under the car grinding, and it popped up on uh, marketplace while I was working. And the guy's right down the road, so I went over there, and he turns out he like 
fabs up trailers and build side by sides and all that stuff. And used to go to the races, but doesn't go anymore since he had kids. I was like, fuck, come on over and help. I always use help. Perfect. Yeah. Hell yeah. And then found out a couple other friends actually that were living in North Carolina are now living in Gainesville. So might have three crew guys, which will be very helpful because I have none. <laughs> I've got a but few, Len- you know, when they can make it, they, they get a few at least, but you know, yeah, I, I pick and choose or well, I do pick and choose my races based on who I can find, what I can find. But usually I show up at the track without a spotter half the time and just have grab someone to spot. It is what it is. Hmm. I mean, I race long enough with mirrors only, so I'm fairly comfortable just without a spotter, but they require one. Yeah, that's that's kind of where I'm sitting with the late model. It's like uh, I don't really have a crew, and I would need one in order to race it, so it's like eh, it's kind of tough to hang on to it because you can't really rely on volunteerism. So I don't know. It's, it's no, I mean, a lot of times it's just get yourself aligned with a, with a team like I did, and you get built-in help right there. I mean, if a team was actually willing to <laughs> even have me come around, but um, yeah, we'll we'll gloss over that. I've had plenty of people uh, offer help, and then when I ask for it, they ghost. So it's usually how it is. Or I get the advice, the greatest advice a race car driver has ever gotten: don't beat yourself. Wow, that helped. <laughs> Might as well tell me. Make sure the car's strapped down when it's on the trailer. <laughs> I mean, here in Florida, that's that's a thing. No, I'm sure it is. <laughs> I watched Very I sure. watched a three car ramp trailer drive out of Auburndale Speedway the other night with three Crown Vicks in park. <laughs> <laughs> they had a lot of no faith. straps. Just throw it in park, set the e brake, good to go. Yeah, there's nothing will ever happen to that. Nah, you're good. It won't bounce off those ramps from 15 feet in the air at all. No. Jesus Christ. Fucking people. It's, dude, it's a wild, wild west down here. Some of the (laughs) shit you see is just bananas. Fucking everybody's trailer's got about six degrees of camber. Jesus Christ. Anyway. Jesse, you have any? Nope. Okay. Sorry. It's <laughs> just, he's like, let's go. We're an hour in already. No, we aren't. I got nothing going like on ever. 15 so minutes I'm like, in. I'm avoiding everything. Nope, okay, sorry. Just making sure that all I'm my just, stuff is still in place here. All right. I'm still trapped in hell. Great. Yay. Let's move on. Yeah, but that hell could be getting better soon. So. Hell, Satan. All right. So, anyway, why don't we go mosey on back into the second segment of the show, the much anticipated and much beloved. Second segment of the show, and that is the DARF comment of the week. Hmm. Uh, Okay, this week's DARF comment of the week comes from me again, Um, but not for the reason I was really anticipating. Uh, I actually used Twitter for once, or X, or whatever Elon calls it this week. don't care. But uh, I used it, and I was talking about the race at Daytona, 
And uh, I had reposted something from, I will, I'll say former at this point, NASCAR team member Brian Murphy. Uh, he posted something saying that super speedway racing has run its course. We need to end this unnecessary nonsense. And I agreed with him. So I reposted it and said, agreed. And then I took a shot at people. Uh, and all the takes on this post from idiot fans who never put their ass in the seat are laughable. So I expected something to come from it, obviously. But usually I get no interaction from people I don't have on my uh, follow list. But uh, I did. Somebody by the name of Frank G. Space Trump 2024 exclamation point, all one word. Uh, at Frankie LG88. And his avatar is Trump's um, mugshot photo. He replies to me saying, so no Daytona 500 moron question mark. That was how he that was the pronunciation on that one. So I was like, oh, good. We have a <laughs> we've already got a winner. So I replied to him, which I usually don't do, but I figured I'll give you one reply. And if you continue to be an asshole, idiot, etc., then I'll block you. That way I don't have to deal with you anymore. So I replied to him by saying, ah, name calling. The best way to make a valid and intelligent argument. Nobody said to stop going to these tracks. It's the racing that needs to change. I figured that was a valid point. <laughs> Jesse's unusually silent because he's waiting for the rest of it. Yep. <laughs> Here we go. So he replies not only once, but twice before I even get a chance to look at it. He replies, Brent, how in the actual fuck would you like them to race here? 240 miles an hour non-restricted? Yes. Yes, actually. I actually would. Yes, hit the brake. Thank you. Yes, thank you. You've made my point. And then have to race them. Yes. And then he says, you do realize they put plates on these cars because the other way was more dangerous. Right there, I took a screen cap of everything. That's called a, do you know what that's called? What's that? A false dichotomy. It is, actually, because it's we'll get because, into it. Yeah. We will get into why it's false. Um, no, it's because it, because a false dichotomy means there's only two solutions to a problem. Oh, okay, yeah. Yes, okay, I'm sorry. I got confused for a moment. Right. I haven't heard that in a while. <laughs> no, that's okay, but that's an argumentative fallacy, and therefore he's already lost. Yeah, so I said, okay, there's no more reason for me to keep... Uh, interacting with this individual who is clearly a troll and an idiot at the same time. So I immediately screen capped everything he sent me for this segment and blocked him on Twitter um, because I don't need people. I, I don't go online. I'm not Phil. I can't go online and actively argue with people 24 hours a day. I like to do it when I'm really drunk, I do which it is like laugh. 18 hours a day. I can't stand people. Like, I can't even stand interacting with them, even if we're talking, like, sensib sensibly. But if you're going to sit there and just scream at me, like, in virtual form, I'm just like, okay, this guy's an absolute idiot. Number one, I'm going to attack the first part. What would you like them to race here, 240 miles per hour, non-restricted? Well, yes. And I'll tell you why. Because... IndyCar seems to do it no problem at Indianapolis Motor Speedway, and their cars are far more dangerous. Um, and that track is much different. 
and they don't seem to have any issue. Number two, how is like this type of racing safe in any way? Uh, you have every single car mashed together in one giant lump going 190 miles an hour. Somebody ran a statistic during this Daytona race, which I thought was incredibly prophetic, by saying that in the last, I believe it was like the last 15 or however many Daytona races, there's only been, or 20, I can't remember how many it is. It's some ridiculous number. Only two of those races, two, have had less than half the field involved in a crash. Two. It's outrageously ridiculous. Now, what's safer? Having cars be separated and not next to each other or have them be in a giant wad and anytime one thing goes wrong, half of them are involved in the crash. Now, yeah, let's have yeah, let's have 29 EMS uh uh service members uh <laughs> Go to each individual car in case there's a problem. Yeah. Now, I never said that they had to go. I never said that these cars needed to go 240 miles an hour. Not all the way around. They don't have to hit 240 in order for you to have separation on the racetrack. What you need to do, and what we've been harping on since we started the show, and since the dawn of time, essentially. um, Add horsepower? You don't have to add horsepower. You don't have to make them faster. You don't have to do anything other than to make them lift when they get to the corner. Find a NASCAR fans, especially this one, but he is especially the figurehead or whatever the hell you want to call him. The he's the typical, the atypical idiot NASCAR fan. They think that NASCAR, like Jesse said earlier has tried everything, and this is the best option. Absolutely not true. NASCAR has not tried everything to solve the super speedway problem. They have not come up with a solution for it. And I think they actually like it. I think, yeah, it's, it's beginning to fall into Phil's territory into where he believes that NASCAR does this on purpose for the sake of entertainment over... Human life, essentially. Well, I think they've yeah. That's why they did it at Atlanta because I think they would like all uh, they would like more tracks to be like Daytona and Talladega. To be quite honest, yeah, exactly. NASCAR doesn't see this as a problem. They see this as an entertainment solution. What's better to get the fans who they believe are idiots? And to be fair, they give them all sorts of reasons to believe them. Well, yeah. What do they like? Close action racing. Excitement and crashes and stuff and door to door, no passing. Yeah, ever. Atlanta's the most boring fucking race ever. Now, if you're not on the top side, you're not passing for the lead. I think the last time they went there, yeah, I said uh, John Hunter Nemechek, I think was in the Xfinity race, mm-hmm. and it was a green white checker, and he led from the green, and since he was on the top, nobody made an attempt at him, and nobody made a pass for the lead, and they just won. It was the most boring shit pile race I'd ever seen. I'm like, wow, that was anticlimactic. Anyway, um, but yeah, this is this is typical DARF territory. Thinking that NASCAR tried every solution and that this is the best and the most safe, it absolutely is not. 
Austin Dillon would be proof of that. Ryan Priest is now proof of that. Yeah, with the hatch in the window net. Um, yeah. Ryan Newman is proof of that. Ryan Blaney in the last two Daytona races is proof of that. Um, you can't tell me he didn't get hit in the head a little bit on both of those races. He did not look like himself. Like, he looked a nope. little dazed. Nope, I think that people like this need to go to a, a tall building to the top of the roof, dressed up like Superman, uh, take a note with them, jump off of it, and then land on the ground, and the note says, oh, well, shit, this didn't work. <laughs> Damn, that didn't work. But what NASCAR needs to do, and I, you know, I if you ask me, I'm the most old-school guy ever, I will absolutely tell you, well, if you need to be a race car, if you want to be a race car driver, you better be brave because you better know the consequences that's going to happen. However, they don't need to be mandatory. <laughs> they don't need to be there all the time. You can make these drivers be brave. You can make them have to race hard. You can make them go fast and do have they can be the ordinary person doing extraordinary things, which is why NASCAR came from a cult background to become a national recognized, well, I was going to say sport, but it's an entertainment enterprise now. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. Like I said, you can do all of that, but NASCAR has not figured it out yet. And I think we have. I think you got to make sure that they lift. They have... Back in, let's just go through the history, and Jesse will absolutely correct me on a lot of this stuff because he knows a lot more about history than I do. Back in the day, and I hate saying back in the day because then all the pundits will come out and say, well, yeah, guys used to win by laps at a time, and it's like, and? You watch the IndyCar race? <laughs> Scott Dixon won by almost a lap. Move on. Um, it, it Back in the day... We had cars that were very heavy, quite powerful. I'll say probably about as powerful as they are now. And very dirty when it comes to the Arrow, because they were boats. And this is pre-1987. So, pre-restrictor plate era. So, these cars would create a giant wake... And they would be, you know, like I said, they're not like 900 horsepower or nothing. But what do you think a car back in like 1979 or 80 made for horsepower? 650? 700? Yeah, somewhere in there. Something like that. Had to be pretty close to 650 or ish. Um, but they were unrestricted. So they were out there and they were absolutely hauling ass. And these cars didn't handle that well. So guys had to lift or they would butcher the right front tire or have issues or break something or wear the car out and they wouldn't handle at the end of the race. I mean, you'd go, you watch Kale Yarborough and these guys arc the cars into the corners and then slide up the racetrack because they were sliding. They weren't moving up there on purpose. That's how fast they were going. But you watch and there was separation. And when you have separation, you don't have giant pack accidents like what we had Every, well, what we have every single time we go to these tracks, it's an unnecessary you'll, danger. You'll definitely have some more spectacular crashes, but they'll be fewer. Yeah, there's less cars. Watch any old super speedway race pre-restrictor pre, pre -restrictor plate era, even some in the restrictor plate era. 
and you'll see just not the 1971 Daytona 500 that had a restrictor plate on it. Oh, it did. 1971 did. NASCAR's first restrictor plate race was actually Michigan in 1970. They're trying to get rid of the big blocks. Oh, was it in response to when Talladega opened? Because that was like in '69-ish. No, they were trying to they were trying to get more manufacturers into it, kind of similar to what they are now. Oh, they're trying to spread out the. Yeah, they were trying to get rid of the. Yeah, Ford and and Mopar dominated that era. Oh yeah. So they wanted to get rid of the big block era. Right. And then they wanted to uh, get more quote unquote brand C mm-hmm. type of racing. And well, it sure as hell worked. Like by 1981, I mean, not all the races were straight. They got rid of it after a yeah, while. Yeah, they eventually went to small blocks. But guess what? Yeah. yeah. And then and then once they dialed back down to you know got rid of the big block era. Yeah, there was no more Mopars. Two Fords left in 1981, and everything was GM. Yeah, Buick, so it was all Olds, brand Pontiac. <laughs> it went from it went from all Fords and Mopars to all all GMs. Yeah, the, the switch flipped in the whale so car. Yeah, every era. time they've so NASCAR, every time they've used a restrictor plate, even pre restrictor plate era, quote unquote, 1988, it still yeah. was a disaster. Yeah, and now <laughs> it was a disaster. So Jesse, would you consider the fact that it was quote unquote more dangerous back then, or is it just because it was a different era that it was more dangerous? The cars weren't constructed the same. The tires didn't weren't as good. They didn't have different technology like roof flaps or anything like that. They had like chicken wire and and like cabling for catch fencing. Yeah, you know, I mean. I mean, I mean, would you for, agree? For the for the standards of the day, they were they were top of the line. Mm-hmm. But that's the day, and technology changes, and everything moves and and moves forward. Yeah, and you know, as more people get hurt or get killed, more rules get written in with blood. Yeah. So I mean, even though, it, although it seems like we've gone backwards, I mean, I think when people say, "Oh, we we need to," it was it was it was just as safe back then. I think what they're talking about the last generation's car. Is what they're really mm-hmm. talking about because, you know, this I think car the last be- car was better in terms of what we're dealing with right now. Absolutely, I agree with you because we, we didn't we, see a single blowover in the in the Gen Six era. Yeah, we didn't have too much of that. Well, I think Joey Logano was on his lid once. Well, a lot of the times when the when the yeah, but he was he was impacted by another car. It's usually yeah. another car hitting it that gets that car up in the air. Yeah, Ryan's that's always going to happen. Impact. Whenever it just came up, yeah. yeah. He's right. Whenever the Gen 6 car would turn around, it actually never took off unless never took off. unless it got hit by somebody else. Like Kyle Larson, when he got hit in the door, when he was spinning out and then went tumbling down the backstretch at Daytona or Talladega, whichever yeah. one it was. Yeah. Unless, he, they, unless he, the underside of the car generates vacuum, yeah. it's never going to happen. Yeah. He did that. I think Logano did the same thing. Um, Ryan Newman didn't turn over until he got hit by somebody else and then um the, the, austin Dillon. the last generation of car that had blowover issues was the cot with the fucking wing yeah and then they got rid of it <laughs> and, and it helped a ton as, as soon as that car went away that wing went away we didn't have that issue not really that and that the air had a place to go we, too we, yeah it, we've it, we've gone backwards the wind in that failed a, and the roof flap failed and it blew over the yeah. car's an airfoil. It, it caused. <laughs> didn't the, see this coming. It scrambles everybody's eggs. You know, brings yeah, the concussions. Clip, the clips are far too stiff. 
Um, if you saw these accidents with the Gen 6 car, that thing would have folded up and the guys would have got out of the car more pissed off about being wrecked than in pain. Ty Gibbs Michael was McDowell. Fuck, Ty Gibbs was in fucking pain. Yeah, Michael McDowell at Texas was He should have died. Yeah, he should have and died. And he got out like whatever. He got out like wow, that really sucked. That sucked. <laughs> glad I didn't have my <laughs> that eyes. Sucked a little bit. Yeah. I'm glad guys, I didn't have my eyes car. open. Yeah, yeah, good thing he didn't have his eyes open. Oh yeah. Yeah. Anyway, um yeah, these cars are just they're terrible. Like this is the Gen 2 of the cars tomorrow. Yeah. Yeah, this they've is they've gone too tomorrow far. 2.0. They've gone too far. It's just, Sucks. yeah, they if they just left it alone, and I mean, we can go down a whole other rabbit hole, but we're trying to talk about the Darf comment of the week anyway, but um, get us back on track here. It wasn't, the reason it was more dangerous was not the style of racing and how they raced. It was the car and the environment around it. They had less bars, less you know, less safety items, no Hans devices, no roof flaps, glass windows. Um, and more respect. They had more respect because you could die. That was a, that was a big issue. Um, then you had Bobby Allison's wreck, which triggered the entire restrictor plate era, which hasn't gone away, really. Um, you're still seeing the issue with it today. And now, I mean, with that, you now have pack racing, and it's pretty much always been that way. Uh, the late 80s, it kind of wasn't, and then as you got further into the 90s and further into the 90s and then into the 2000s, it just got tighter and tighter and tighter. And now you are where you are now. Uh, can you pass with this car now? Yeah, of course, but like, it's still going to be tight together. You're still going to have half the field wiped out in a wreck. You need to gain separation. That's it. 1993 to four was to me the best super speedway racing because yeah. the cars were hauling fucking ass. They were still fast, even with restrictor plates they and they pass. had yeah. separation. They could build big runs. The field did get spread out, but you could draft hop through the field if you yeah. played it right. Yeah, you're right, because I remember watching the end of the Talladega race where Rusty Wallace flipped over. What, what when year did Earnhardt Neil, flipped didn't Neil Bonnet die in Daytona in 94? He blew a tire. That's Hoosier's <laughs> fault. That's that's Hoosier's fault. Yeah, that's Hoosier's fault. Yeah. Rod, Who's um, your daddy? What's that, Jess? Rodney Orr. That's Hoosier's fault as well. <laughs> they both were on Hoosiers. Sorry, Hoosier. Uh, you killed those guys. Um, <laughs> allegedly. <laughs> Murderers. <laughs> Sorry, no, I'm just poking the bear. I just don't uh, like Hoosier tires. Crazy. Don't sue me. Uh, anyway, um, yeah, the the reason it was not as safe was for the reasons we've provided. It was a different time. They had different safety items. But if you can gain separation, you're going to – this is the longest DARF comment of the week anyway. Uh, but, yeah, NASCAR can – I guarantee you if they took something like tires – like you remember F1 where they had those groove tires? Yeah. What if they did that on super speedways and now you got a lift? You know what I mean? They're talking about it. Give it a shot. Gain separation. If you have separation, you come off those corners, you're going to get a giant toe on somebody and you're going to bring back the slingshot draft. I don't think you're going to see the field stretch out to like how it used to be in the 70s where guys used to lead by, you know, two or three laps at Daytona. It could stretch I, out like it stretches out at Michigan. Right. You're not going to like lap people unless they're incredibly slow. So it's you can 
gain that separation. It's still going to be exciting. I'm sorry. Dale Jr. has been going over the 1979 season. The 1979 Daytona 500 was probably one of the most exciting races regardless of how it ended because of how it finished. And those two were right next to each other throwing drafts and sliders and all sorts of shit on each other. It's just too bad that they wrecked. I would have loved to have seen how that actually finished, except that's why the sport catapulted into the national spotlight. So anyway. There's a video that somebody did on uh, NASCAR 2003 on YouTube of how the 79 Daytona 500 should have finished. They literally raced each other and recreated the whole end of the race without the wreck. <laughs> That's fantastic. That's awesome. Watch that. It was awesome. That. I have to find it and link it. So anyway, Frank G. Trump 2024. This isn't political. That's just the guy's name. I'm just that's why I mentioned it. Uh, at Frankie Frank I E L G eighty eight. It looks like you have a spot on your shirt. You should pre-treat that with a little bit of like bleach. stain stick and some bleach. Then pour a cup for yourself and, ammonia. and drink it. <laughs> So that you may cleanse yourself from the rest of the gene pool because you've won our DARF comment of the week and may God have mercy on your blocked, stupid soul. I took a cue from you. Your bleach and ammonia takes out stains really good. I thought it was like mustard gas. It is. Oh, God. No wonder I'm losing brain cells because we used to do that as a pizza place. Yeah, I didn't realize that when I was cleaning, like, mopping at the pizza place, and I used to accidentally mix those together, and I'm like, wow, this smells really bad, and I can't see straight. If it was if it was a lot of it, you'd probably be coughing because it deteriorates lung tissue. Like I was. Yeah. <laughs> Luckily, I still exercise, so I gained it all back. All right, Jess, I've got a little bit of a fun thing to do while Phil has stepped away. Where'd he go? I think he disappeared. Maybe Where a, is he? I I'm, bet an alligator probably dragged him away. I'm so sorry. <laughs> um, I have the... Uh, damn it. I don't know what I really want to title this. Hmm. I'll just do this. Honorable mention simp uh, alert. I don't know what to call it. <laughs> it's not really that. Let's be fair. All right. I got to call out a local... Well media outlet i'll say hey phil's back perfect he'll like this he'll enjoy this oh he's gone again Get back here. <laughs> all right this isn't a visual podcast nobody can see what he's actually doing all right phil's gonna enjoy this by the way this i'm going to call out a local media person because uh the nascar whale and modified tour went to langley and I'm going to talk about it later, but uh, they actually ended up breaking a record. I'll talk about it later. They only had 15 cars take the green flag in this event. Again, specifics come later. Just understand there's only 15 cars in this race. So I'm surfing Twitter, X, Zitter, and I come across a few articles from uh, Race Day CT. Okay? And this is... I'm, Again, this isn't a commentary on his writing ability or his reporting ability or anything like that. Um, but I came across these, and I'm like, why am I reading this? So I'm like, okay, we need to point this out. 
He posts something that says, Melissa Fifield's 13th place qualifying effort Saturday at Langley Speedway marked her best qualifying effort in 139 career Whalen Modified Tour starts since 2014. And I'm like, why is this newsworthy? There were 15 cars and she started 13th out of 15. Okay, whatever. Uh, And then he posts... With a 15th place finish in Saturday's NASCAR Whalen Modified Tour event at Langley, Melissa Fifield jumped three positions in the series standings. And I'm like, wait, well, wait a minute. Why are we reporting on... She finished last! That's last! 15th is freaking last! Oh, Anyway, and then, after that, he posts this. Race Day CT poll. Will Melissa Fifield finish in the top 10 of the Whalen Modified Tour standings? And I'm like, okay, I get it. Her team paid you to post things about her team. But those of us who pay attention and can read know that this is garbage. <laughs> it, well, let's it, see. Here we go. So. I know it's a free country, and I know that you can post whatever you want, but think, let's, come let's, on. let's address the top 10 thing. Have some integrity, man. There's 12 races I, this season, okay? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven drivers, including Melissa Fifields, have, have entered every single race. Only seven. seven? Seven drivers. And she's not in the top 10 in points? Good job, NASCAR. Good job NASCAR and good job on the on the writer for ignoring this fact and going right rim right around it. Yeah, a rim road right around it. Like, she's not even in the top ten. <laughs> she hasn't started all the races and she's still not in she the top ten. She has started all the races. No, I mean she has started all the races, but she's yeah. still not in the top ten, even though only seven people have started all the races. That's right. Again, I'm trying to be nice right now. I, I know that people need to pay bills. I understand that. But you don't need to throw away your own personal integrity to post shit like this. Come I, on, I don't man. Know, I, don't know what is, I don't know what the cur- form of currency is, but it's, it's intellectual prostitution. Uh, the, and it's also what I don't like about it is that it's uh, the worst form of sexism. It is the sexism of low expectations. Which like, which is sexism yeah. of low expectations. Number one treats them treats them infantile, mm-hmm. gives them resources and freedom and fame and all kinds of other things which they didn't really have to actually earn, and uh, strips them of their free will. They do not this, good. They seem to do this. It's with not that. good. They they do this with a lot of other marginalized quote unquote groups. Yeah, they too. do it with black people all the time. So yeah, that's the worst kind of sexism and racism is the one of low expectations. You you, I you didn't don't say, make you, it's not even close to equality. You treat them infantilely. I didn't that's say, horrible. To be so, fair, I didn't say Sean did that. By the way, I didn't. So I said well, Sean did this. No, I didn't say Sean did the race thing. Not not the sexist thing. The sexist so, thing. I don't care that Sean wrote the articles. I'll like just I said, right somebody. Like I said, well, you gotta get on. you gotta get paid. I mean, come on. I, I get it. Yeah. So. I don't care that he wrote the articles, whatever. I don't even care that Melissa, her parents are, she clearly pays him. I mean, it is what it is. Fine. Whatever. If you have to, it's a promotional thing. Yeah, I get it. All good. I'm just sick of having her shoved down our throats. 
She fucking sucks. It's that's uh, also what that is is narcissism. Go play fucking Mario Kart. You're not good. It's narcissism. You're just not a race car driver. I'm sorry. I mean, that's why we don't give. That's why we don't. That's the real reason why we don't give guys like. Uh, What's his name in the 26 car? Gary McDonald? Gary. Yeah, Gary. Yeah, we don't give Gary McDonald that kind of shit because he's not narcissistic. He doesn't want to win, have to win like the most popular Gary's driver just award. Out there doing his thing. He just we shows up with him. he shows up with really outdated equipment and old oh, shit yeah. and just goes and just kind yeah. of races and most of the time he's not in the way. You know, he's, yeah. he's I said most of the time instead of instead of buying all kinds of brand new stuff. Trying to win the most popular driver award, trying to get more resources, getting from that Bush. Bush beer supposed sponsorship that she probably I mean, never this got. Is, it's narcissism. It's just annoying. She, just, she might be a great person. I don't. That's fine. All the respect in the world for her for doing what she wants to do. But you're not a race car driver. Go do something else. You're not heroic because either. you're just. It, it's making a mockery of the sport. Well, it's when making you're that a, far off the fucking pace. Well, it's making a mockery of female racers because females can do a lot better yeah. than that. P- all, it, it's a shame a lot that, of them that can do better. Talented female race car drivers like Johanna Long didn't get a real fucking shot to show their talents. Yeah, Johanna was actually Highfield pretty decent. Has Melissa has the best equipment money can buy, and runs last and gets lapped. That is, Every race. that is Justin Bonsignor's car. Like, it's not really, but it might as well be. You know what I mean? Has, has she ever finished a race on the lead lap? That's actually a really solid question, I'd like to I see think. Allison Sloat in the car. She's a super modified driver at Oswego and wins race. She wins races. Not regularly, but she wins races. Just top, five of point. top five of points. Meg mm. Fuller. Uh, yeah. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Uh, Rene Dupuis would have loved to have had that ride. No one gave it. No one gave any shits about Dave uh, Rene Dupuis, whether she was or wasn't, because she was just out there doing her thing and she was competitive. She's very competitive. Like I said, she would have loved to have had that ride. No, yeah. I, I would. I would put any of the females at Stafford, except for Haley and uh, Dana Ray, in that car. I think they do pretty good. I'd love to see. What anybody else could do it. I put Phil's well, mom yeah. in that car. I wouldn't. No. No. <laughs> no, that's not bad. She wouldn't touch. She wouldn't reach the pedal. She's like five foot one. <laughs> Sorry, I wouldn't. Had to lighten it now. All right, so I, I've seen that woman in a fire suit. It no. <laughs> Going for an arriving drive or something. No, she she wanted to go dressed as me for Halloween one year. That's fun. Yeah, probably wore that thing like a. If you pull the curtain off the wall, <laughs> it was like rolled up inside all the way up to her, her, like the back of her knee. That's funny to be able to. <laughs> it was so bad. All right. We're done. Uh, I think we're done ripping on local media outlets for now. Um, again, I understand, but you don't have to do that. So let's just put it that way. All right. News we missed from last week. Because we released the show too early, also known as Not So News. <laughs> NASCAR Truck Series team GMS Racing announced that the team will be closing its doors at season's end. GMS Fabrication, a separate entity that runs alongside the truck team, 
will also close after the final race. Grant Enfinger, Rajah Karuth, and Daniel Dick Puncher die currently drive for the team. More on one of them later. More on which one? Daniel die? No. <laughs> when did he do something? He's going to Kyle Bush, is what I'm hearing. Yeah, because well Daddy die can pay the check. Exactly. I was gonna say it's not gonna make him any better, but I mean as long as the doors stay open, I guess that's really what matters because Kyle's got employees. I'm not shocked one bit that GMS is closing its doors, only because, and you and I discussed this earlier this week, as soon as they announced the Toyota deal, I saw this writing on the wall just plain as day. Yep. Gilliland's team just took the primary TRD alliance, so... GMS would then have to play second fiddle to be a Toyota team when they're a direct TRD alliance in the Cup Series. Yep. Why would they want to do that? And they're gonna it makes more sense for them to just shut down and focus on the Cup stuff. Yeah, they'll probably they probably have somebody lined up to purchase the equipment. That's probably why they announced it so early. Well, the purses are so. unsustainable. The, the, oh yeah, I mean the, the, the business, business model, model is horrible. There, broken, yeah. absolutely broken. Yeah, in Arca, it's not feasible. In tr it's basically, if you run Arca or the Mod Tour or the Truck Series, you're basically just using it as a business write-off for your own personal expenses. So um, you're not making money doing that. When in, back in the day, you actually probably could fund your race team at least off of the purse and some sponsorships. But that's unfortunate. But I know there's a bunch of rumors going floating around in the Cup Series, Truck Series, Xfinity, whatever the hell's going on. But uh, I probably Phil would probably be best to uh, really kind of clarify these if I if I bring them up because I keep see I I have like three of them written down like Denny Hamlin's JGR contract. Uh, Jesse, I think you might have even touched on it earlier too. Please do because What's I don't. What's that? Uh, I'm sorry. I I'm sorry. It. The Denny Hamlin. JGR contract negotiations. Oh yeah. Well, it, it was it was it, they went he went over and on his podcast as much as he could legally, really. Uh, yeah. Denny Hamlin, which was it, everything that is uh, as far as a driver owner agreement that's already pretty much written down. The hardest thing that they have to get done is the technical alliance between Toyota, Joe Gibbs Racing, and Twenty Three Eleven. Mm -hmm. That's pretty much what's going on and what's holding it up. So he's 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 trying to hold it. He's trying to get it done. He's trying to, uh, you know, they're trying to ink stuff out. Mm -hmm. That's all they have to do. It, it's a little concerning though that he's talking to Ford. It is a it little is, bit, but it's probably also to uh, shake up Toyota and get them back to the table. You I know mean, what I mean? I don't know. Toyota has done some stupid shit before. You know, <laughs> Look, they let. KFB go last year. Like, how the fuck do you do that? Yeah, and how, how many wins does he have I already? I cannot. Yeah. <laughs> who who expected him to have four wins with RCR yeah. in the first half of the year? Yeah. Yeah. Just man. insane. Their Toyota but, development driver thing tanked. I think I that did call awful. him for six wins this year, though. So I'm pretty close right now. You have to go over the notes. Um. <laughs> what notes? No, just. I don't know. Yeah, so there's that, and I know that uh, I wasn't really paying attention, so I, Jesse probably mentioned it, talking about his team and whatever, but SHR, let's move on to that. How about that? Uh, there's a lot of rumors of SHR uh, possibly selling charters. 
Not that sure. That actually got squashed today by SHR. I was going to say, that sounds awfully weird for them to be doing. I don't think they're going to be cutting two teams. The only thing I could see there is that maybe there was some kind of thing with Dodge and Tony, and Tony was either separating or maybe Gene was looking to get out. But if if Gene was going to get out, then the 41 and the 10 are in jeopardy, which the 41 and the 10 are currently in jeopardy anyway. Although I hear Ryan's close to renewing, so I've heard that they've um, already. I heard that they already picked Ryan up. I I know that I'm pretty sure Stewart is quoted as saying that he's going to come back for a second year. Michael so. Andretti yeah. is is sniffing around looking for charters. Oh, Michael Andretti is. Oh, yeah, he got. Yeah, I think he may be Spire. He got snubbed out of. Know. Yeah, he got snubbed out of Formula One, so he's going to say Spire okay. is the one that I keep hearing for them as well. Yeah, yeah. it's Andretti Global. Yeah, so they're going all over. That'd be cool. I wouldn't That'd mind seeing really the Andretti's cool. come back to NASCAR. That would be nice. Uh, Marco another, run? Yeah, another one. Uh, yeah, Marco has been sniffing around it quite a bit. So um, I know he's had a little bit of success. Like, he had some decent runs. I don't know if they finished out that way, but I know he had decent runs when he ran an Xfinity car lately. Um, and a third one I, I think we already touched on was 2311, possibly talking to Ford. Um not sure exactly what's going on there, but I know there's a lot of stuff going on behind the scenes that no one is privy to talk about. So um, I'm sure that that's probably going to iron itself out within the next few weeks or even a month or so. But I bet you you'll probably hear something about it before the end of the season. So I'm sure they want to get that squashed as quickly as possible because when people have contracts, a lot of sponsors are also involved in those contracts, and they want to know what's going on next year as early as humanly possible. So I would anticipate probably hearing something about this relatively soon, and I guarantee you it's going to happen Tuesday because I said it. And the show will already be out by then. <laughs> of course. <laughs> Always. Our third segment depends on it, Brent. Well, yeah, it kind of does. So um, anyway, that's pretty much all I got going on for the rumor mill at this point. We're we're getting into that part of the year where, you know, the playoffs are now here. You got the end of the year coming. A lot of silly season stuff is going to start hitting. People without rides finding rides. People who had rides possibly losing theirs and teams and this and that. And everybody's – this is the prime time to start planning for next year because uh, you got a lot of time that you really need to get in and make sure everything's in order. So, You, you know, one rumor I have heard – uh, substantiated m- multiple times now. Phil getting a Smith job at NASCAR. Fields. No. <laughs> no. Eh. Smith Smithfield is out at SHR, which really? likely means... Well, that means Al Marola's out, so... Right. But who comes in? Oh, boy. Noah a tough has question. a lot of sponsorship. He sure does. And... Uh, Everybody keeps saying Zane Smith because he's already in the Damn it, Ford, that's, that's Ford exactly program. Yeah, that's who I was going to say. <laughs> but Yeah, but like Zane has no sponsorship with him. All of his sponsorship belongs to Front Row. Yeah, but I really don't think that Noah's really that interested in Cup because I don't think he really makes, with the way that the contract is structured now for all the newer, younger guys, I don't think he makes any more money being a you know, mid-level cup driver than he does when he's winning races in Xfinity. I don't know, but uh, I would want to be in the top level. Yeah, yeah of course you would. would yeah, I would I, obviously I would level. want to be up top because cup money is a I definite I know thing. he was not happy at Legacy Motor Club from some friends that do know him. Who um, would be? 
but <laughs> exactly at this point. Yeah, no, I wouldn't be either. Because he, when that team, when he got signed to that team, that was still Petty GMS. It wasn't like a C Motor Club at that point. Yeah, it didn't change ownership. He at didn't. That point. He didn't sign up for all the big changes. Everything got flipped on him, and I, I'm sure he took a pay cut at the same time too. I'm sure as a younger driver, when the business changed hands, everything had to get changed. Yeah, because Jimmy Johnson came in and Rory Gallagher, and they pushed the king out, and you know, yeah, got all these people putting their hands in the pot, and they're like, "Look, we need to be accountants so, and get the bottom dollar down." And who do you? Go I'm after? wondering if that's why, because he wouldn't have gone to Petty GMS if he wasn't excited about going to Cup, right? You know, he had a an easy ride at at Junior. He could have stayed there, probably won the championship this year the way he was running last year. It's got to make him sad seeing what the nine car is now. It makes everybody sad. <laughs> make, makes Junior sad seeing what the nine car does. P.S. Um, Brandon Jones has also announced that he will be back in that nine car next year. So yes. Yeah, there, there were some rumors going around that he was going to JGR again. Yeah, that didn't pan out, but... Uh, at least we can look at it this way. Him going back to ju- uh, Junior Motorsports is, uh, what is that, guaranteed employment for the fabrication shop. So yeah. that's great for them. I mean, um, what what uh, open cup ride right <laughs> now is worth a damn. There's not many that are open that are not filled already. Yeah. So you, you might as well stick with the good farm team for a while before I think- before going anywhere good. There's nowhere good open right now. I think he's either going to end up in the 10 car or he's going to end up back at junior. And, you, you and think I would bring the sponsors with him. Or? With yeah. But he's, yeah, he's, Tony Stewart has already announced that he doesn't want guys who bring money, who don't have the results. And Brandon Jones is the key definition of that. <laughs> Nail head. You hit it. Yeah. It's, yeah, he's dude, the key I don't, definition think, I don't of think junior guys. Th- I'm talking about Noah. Oh, okay. I don't, I don't think Brandon will go to the ten, to the Cup Series. I don't think Brandon's Cup level talent. Like he's an okay Xfinity driver. He tears up a lot of shit, making silly mistakes. People love he's, to say that he has bad luck, but I'm like, wow, he has bad luck in every car he's in. <laughs> he has had a lot of bad luck this year, and a lot of his own making too. Yeah, he's, you know, you know what he is? He's Christopher Bell light. He mm-hmm. just doesn't have the talent. Because Christopher Bell steps on his dick a lot. He did it in the fucking cup race a couple times. He did it at the end to Ryan Brees. No, that, that was uh, Eric Jones. Brendan. He was, yeah. uh, that's, uh, what's it, What's the name you just said? <laughs> Eric, no. Eric is not that. They're all sprint car drivers. I don't know what the hell is which. <laughs> Christopher Bell. Christopher Bell. Christopher Bell uh, diet is Eric Jones. So, um. yeah. <laughs> He's Buckshot Jones. That's what he is. <laughs> No, <laughs> he's fucking he, terrible. No, he's he's Christopher Bell zero. Oh, there, <laughs> yeah, that's okay. That's better. That's right. Same, you know, great taste. You know, no sugar. No Took cars. us a while to farm that no, one. Same great taste, no talent. Still tears up race cars the same. There you go. Uh, <laughs> Big zero. I, I do like Brandon Jones a lot, like his personality, because mm. he's really outgoing and well spoken. Just sucks that he can't fucking drive a hot knife through butter. <laughs> He's terrible. Oh, my God. Can't drive his way out of a wet paper bag. Pretty sure I could do better in that car. And I'm not a great race car driver. I'd love to try. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) 
Anyway, all right. I'm sure more rumors are going to be coming out a hell of a lot more frequently now that the end of the year is coming, like I said. But I got to touch on this real quick. Uh, the passing of Bill Vukovic II. Uh, he was what? <laughs> Phil's giving me the what the fuck hand here. Well, he's a you know. I don't know who it is. You don't know the Vukovic family? No. God, they're famous IndyCar people. Uh, the old man, Bill Vukovic Sr., died in Indianapolis in 1955. He had won it in 1953 and 1954. Yep. And then, I know uh, that off the top of my head. He would, yeah, and then he went over the backstretch wall. Yeah, and died. just got the shit killed out of him. Yep. Yeah, he was a really, really good race car driver. The Vukovic's are one of those cursed families. They're almost too. like a Bettenhausen. They're, they're like Bettenhausen light. Um, but a little bit more tragic, I think, because uh, Vuk- Billy the Second, obviously the son of two-time winner Bill Vukovic, and uh, father of fellow Indianapolis 500 Rookie of the Year Billy Vukovic the Third. Um, oh, are we doing that still? <laughs> oh, oh, sorry, that was. I sorry, I forgot. There's a third involved here. I knew there was a third too. I almost kind of feel bad doing the sound, given what I'm going to tell you later. Um. They're one of only five families to have three generations of drivers compete in the greatest spectacle in racing. They joined the uh, Unser's, the Andretti's, the Foyt's, and the Brabham's. Uh, he made like 12 starts in the Indy 500 between 68 and 80. And uh, with t- uh, he, he had six top 10 finishes. He didn't do bad. He finished second in the rain-shortened race in 1973. Uh, let's see. He did well in three straight years. Did uh, a whole bunch of stuff here. Again, he was a longtime standout IndyCar racer. Just one of those journeyman guys. Um, let me see here. I'm look. He was a, a big short track guy, like USAC National Midget. He, I think he had 23 USAC National Midget wins. Uh, he was enshrined in the National Midget Racing Hall of Fame in 98. Um, again, I had told you this earlier that the Vukovic's, I think, probably were a little bit more tragic because Billy II lost his father to injuries in 1955, like Jesse said. Uh, but Billy also lost his son, Billy the Third. In uh, nine, he was again, like I said, he was the eight, I'm not 19. Doing the voice no, we're not doing one. it this time. No, no, uh, he, not this one. He was uh, yeah. the 1988 Indy 500 Rookie of the Year. Uh, he suffered fatal injuries during a practice for a sprint car race in November of 1990 in Bakersfield, California. So right. again, he's right. he's very similar to. Um, what was it that you said? <laughs> the Bettenhausens. The Bettenhausens. Yeah, Bettenhausens. yeah, they're, yeah. they're very, um, very similar. But yeah, he passed away at age 79 on the 20th, I believe, of August. That was, damn, almost a week ago now. That was news we missed from last week that, well, <laughs> it wasn't reported until the day after we recorded. So mm. there, that's that. Anyway, I usually kind of touch on those types of things. Right, where were we at? Stat. Oh, we were going to go th- into uh, some kind of results at this point because oh, we're through the first segments. This is going to be the shortest two-hour show you've ever heard. <laughs> By oh, the way, um, you know what happened Thursday at Thunder Road? What happened from Scott Tapley? He said that Thunder Road rained out for the twentieth time this year. I don't think it was Thunder Road. I think the ACT in general. Oh counts everything like they have a bunch of different tracks and their series and i think they count everything as one singularity but no they haven't run 20 races at thunder road or 
20 weeks this year. It's I believe what that the ACT say? the ACT does weird stuff like they were counting all of the different ACT type late model winners. What did he say? They were like, "Oh yeah, we've had our 22nd different ACT winner this year." And it's like, "Well, no, that's just an ACT late model." Well, he shared it a could C- be at Waterford, it could be at Seekonk, it could be at Thunder Road, well, it could be anywhere. He said officially made it to 20 our 20th rain outpost moment due to rain due to 2023. And it was Thunder Road, so I don't know what that's referencing. But if if Thunder Road themselves had twenty straight rainouts, that's what it sounds like with the post. You they know? would so. not have run a single race this year, and it would have dated back to like March. So <laughs> I hope <laughs> most racetracks run around eighteen to twenty if they're full time around I here. Don't, I don't know how many that other would be every they have doing during the year too. That would be every single race would be rained out. That that has not happened. I believe they they count the ACT is weird. They count every single thing that has their name tied to it as something that they are doing. So if they have an ACT race at White Mountain and it rains out, that would be considered a rain out. You know what I mean? Yeah. If they have like yeah. an ace, if they have a race at Thunder Road, that would consider a rain out. You know what I mean? So I, I, it's not 20 straight by any stretch of the imagination. So they just count it really weird. That's all I know. So anyway, um, by the way, I made a mistake last week, and uh, I want to take bets on how many times I mix up Connor Sullivan's name with Connor Souza's name because I did that while uh, discussing, I think, Stafford last week because I was talking about filming. And I do it way more often than I should because I definitely know the difference between the two. One is a Seekonk racer and one is a uh, videographer, and they don't look anything alike. And uh, so taking all bets on how many times I mistake the two, and uh, I wonder what the under-over would be on that, but I hope it's not a lot because I keep screwing that up. Anyway, I figured I'd mention that. Stafford rained out, just like Thunder Road. Yeah, I know yeah. people were like, oh, it's like 6 o'clock and it's not raining no more. And I'm like, well, yeah, but, you know, those guys get there at like 3 o'clock and they do their practice and qualifying and stuff before 6. And, you know, if it rained until 6 o'clock, then they would have gotten like nothing in. They would have had to dry the track while it's dark and under humid conditions. Plus, the infield would be wet and there'd be puddling. So if you got guys sliding into the infield, they're just going to be in a very dangerous spot so um i don't mind the rain out and plus sometimes it rains when there's nothing on the radar so like misty rain doesn't show up on the radar anyway stafford technically rained out so i was watching the sids view episodes that i'd missed because of my eye surgery um as they were coming out essentially today which is monday I think one of them might have come out yesterday, really late, not sure, but uh, they had the extended distance 50-lap race for uh, memory of Soup Savardi. I forget how much they paid, but it's a mini-stock race, so it couldn't be too huge, but it did draw a lot of people, so it must have been enough. Uh, They drew 27 cars, I believe. That's what I heard. Which begs the question, where the fuck have you been all year? <laughs> right? You don't show up to Thompson. You don't show up to Waterford until they put money up. Where have you fucking been all year? Um, so the cars are out there. People just aren't racing them for some reason. 
So I'll go to the mini stock race first because that's just the one that was posted first. All right. Multi-time feature winners Charles Canfield and Chris Garside started in the second row of this 27-car field, just for reference sake. I'm just questioning why multi-time feature winners are starting on the second row. When there's 27 cars. When there's 27 cars. I don't know. That's a great question. I just want to know. That just seems odd to me. I thought. Yeah, if you'd I don't won know how it works. I just don't know how it works. That's I all. figured if you'd won a race, you... Uh, you know, wouldn't start higher than fifth, but that never happens. So, <laughs> well, I mean, yeah, it's, it, they probably changed it when you know they didn't work it in the car council, but I, I don't know. I just, you know, it's one of those things where I need somebody to explain, and I, I just don't know. Yeah. Oh well. Anyway, um, lap zero, Kevin Moore would go around in turn three after he ran up into, I believe, Doug Curry was in this race in that '94 car. Uh, Curry kept going, but uh, Moore got turned around. Collected Ken Cassidy Jr., who was in the race in the, I believe, the 81 car for G-Roy. And uh, Erica Canfield, Stacy Zentek, and I believe his name is Eric Julian. He's an old modified crew guy who has a car now. Uh, I believe most of them would keep going. I think more might not have. I can't remember, though. I didn't see that at the end. A long green flag run would put very early leader Canfield into lap traffic. And uh, Ray Christian the third, yes. Uh, in the Silva number thirty-one car for this race, he had saved his car for the long run, and he'd start to make hay through the field. Uh, let's see here. The race would actually be rather uneventful, though, as uh, Canfield would easily cruise to victory. Christian would come home second in his return to the mini stocks. I really hope we're still Is recording because uh, I'm still gun shy about that from last week. Uh, no. Yes, we are. I was going to say, I just <laughs> saw it move. What are you talking about? <laughs> oh, you could see it. Good. Well, I can kind of see. I, everything's blurry, but I can kind of start to read things, but it's still frustratingly yeah. blurry on the me. The mini stocks are so, they're, I don't know. They're, they're, this is a race that I really wanted to see, mm -hmm. and I wasn't disappointed at all. And, no, it just, I mean, it yeah, just could have used a, very, a late race caution. Hey, yeah, sure, but you know what? That's the way it is. These guys race with respect, and uh, yeah, they're not idiots most of the time. These are some, yeah, they they race really well. These yeah. are some damn good drivers. Yeah, um, I know. I, I, I there the is only no unnecessary cautions I, with this division at all. The only complaint I really had about the race was the contender starting so far up front in such a big field. Yeah. Like if you're gonna high qualify them, you gotta do it by points and stick them in mid pack. You know what I mean? Like, I like how Thompson has done it well, for so the I last mean, few years. Yeah, how many cars do you usually have show up there on a weekly basis? Yeah, teens, maybe low teens. Well, that's what I mean. So everybody else who showed up there that from the teens back to the twenties, you know, they all have three wins attached to their handicap. If it was a three win handicap. Yeah, but here's the thing. It's like, thing, you know, so. Yeah, yeah, I guess if you did it that way, it would still matter the same. Whatever. I just wish they would have started a little further back to make the show more interesting. But um, that's just how it is. So I guess I got to live with it. No big deal. It's not going to, didn't ruin it for me. It just, it just kind of made the race a little bit more strung out because the guys weren't trying to make their way through, I guess. You know what I mean? It's yeah. kind of like watching a race down south. True. Anyway, late models. Yeah. Kind of a short field this week as uh, Jason Palmer was able to scoot to the lead within the first five laps. 
perennial contender Ray Christian the third his second mention <laughs> uh, left his car at home to take a little bit of a break and uh, he had the 50 lap mini stock race that night anyway so he was still in a field that night PJ Evans was stout as once Palmer got the lead from him, uh, I thought it was game over, but Evans just kind of started to come back at Palmer and challenge him. And uh, he put up a good fight. Brody Monahan got a little damage early and also put himself into the podium and then would challenge for second with 10 laps to go. Monahan made it interesting as he would finally get by PJ Evans and run down Palmer for the lead with three laps to go. They would run side by side for a little bit until Palmer would put about a car on Monaghan from the top side in turn three and was able to take down his 98th career win yeah, at some, the Speed Bowl. Sometimes when you're young and it's in early in your career, it's easier and if you, you become faster if you have a rabbit in front of you. Yeah. Yeah, somebody to go chase down, chase after him. If you're in the lead and you're a young driver, sometimes you're a little bit uneasy because you have nobody to follow. I so think it's one of those. It's one of those things, but I think Brody's fine on his I'm own. I'm sure he <laughs> is because he's already done a ton of. He's stuff, done a ton know? of. He's won a ton of stuff. So yeah, but yeah, Brody's he, impressive. Yeah, they've got that late model going real well right now. All right, that moved us into. Let's see. I didn't do this in any particular order. Again, I'm just kind of doing this by what I saw. Uh, trucks. Let's see here. Previous week's winner, Ken Cassidy Jr. Decided to drop to the back at the start, and uh, I believe he had an apparent driveline issue. Which has plagued them all year long. Yeah, it's some weird some weird issue. I bet you it's a driveline alignment issue, and I bet you he's puking U-joints because I had that problem too. Big vibration problem. I hated it. Yeah. I finally got it figured out, but <laughs> now i got to get it figured out again. But, yeah, he start and parked the thing because he didn't want to tear up his equipment, which was a smart move. He hadn't been there all year. He wasn't in the points. He just kind of got out of the way just to make sure everything went off okay. Let's see. Four laps in, or it was about five laps in because they crossed the line. Todd Taylor pried his way under the 33 of Jake Kutu in turn three. Coming out of turn four, Kutu would get sideways, and Taylor would just hit him right in the door, and they would spin into the infield. I thought they were going to kill the geese. Should have. Um, I hate them fuckers. <laughs> shit machines. Speaking of geese, what happened to the speedball goose? I think he got bored. I don't know. Or he got found out. <laughs> hey, it wasn't us. Or he's dead, Rip. Uh, either one. He flew south for the winner. <laughs> Maybe he's married and having a kid. Who knows? Could be. <laughs> Could be. Uh, moving on. As Let's see here. Trucks, by the I forgot what it was. All right. Brody Monaghan in this race as well. And uh, Kyle Giro battled for second position. Let's see. They were side-by-side side for quite a long time. Ed Ryan was in the lead, and with those two racing side-by-side, side, he just checked out. He was gone. This is another race that was very clean other than, like, one thing. Uh, Monaghan would eventually get clear of Giro, but not be able to run down Ryan as he would take down the win. Uh, I think uh, Giro, Kyle Giro is one of those people who's looking for an ACT car right now. And uh, I know a bunch of guys who are looking for them. I think Aaron Plemons is looking for one. A bunch of people are looking for an ACT car. You got one? That I think I have one. So That truck series looks like it's a lot of fun to race with. Yeah, my, my my sponsor and uh, iRacing League member there, Jason Paquette, he actually picked up a truck. He bought uh, 
Emma Monahan's truck, and he's been dabbling with that when he has time. Should buy Giro's and go race with them. I don't want it. <laughs> you don't want herpes? I don't want a truck. No, they look like herpes a lot. Is fun. They look like a lot of fun, but then I'd have to race at Waterford. So that... oh, dude, there's so much fun to drive. <laughs> Again, uh, all right. So street models came out next. And, they drive just the same. Uh, they are pretty much the same. That's why I don't need one. I've already got one. Turn three, lap zero. Steve Barrett would come off the wall, catch uh, Clay Petschke, I believe is his name, in the 13 car in the right rear. Sent him kind of squirrely and then spinning into the turn three wall, ending his night before it really began. I believe uh, Barrett would continue. Around lap seven, boy, a lot of stuff was happening. <laughs> Phil, I think, just watched this race, so he'll know what I'm talking about. There's a lot of notes in this paragraph. That was that was a rough race. That was a wild lap seven. Uh, first, coming off turn four, second place, Sean Gadecki hopped leader Ed Gurch's left rear tire and got kind of hooked on his car. Al Stone third. <laughs> How many thirds are there? Um, would then try to uncouple them with contact, but to no avail. Uh, Stone would then chuck it inside a gate to and uh, catch the turn one puddle. If anybody knows the speed bowl, they know the turn one puddle. And the resulting... Yes, yes Jesse knows the turn one puddle. <laughs> uh, the resulting wave washing over the uh, drivers behind him. Meanwhile... Behind that, as the pack was coming out of turn four, Tony McCrino and Austin Flanagan would get together, sending Flanagan spinning in front of the rest of the pack. Joe Arena had nowhere to go, got Flanagan in the left side, and essentially undressed his car. A few others would make contact and keep going, with Barrett spinning to avoid the stopped Flanagan. Gatiki and Arena would give up their positions to go pit side with damage. So there was a lot going on in just one, basically one straightaway on lap seven. Let's fast enough, forward. Enough parts laying on the track at that point to build a whole new car. Mostly. Uh, to Let's fast forward to two to go. Aaron Plemons had a nose under Tony Macrino, and looking at Aaron's roof camera, that window closed while he still had a nose under Macrino, and uh, Macrino was sent spinning down the front stretch, and unfortunately, Plemons would lose a tire. Let's see. Charlie Canfield who just won the mini stock race or will later in the night. I forget when these races rolled out. <laughs> Probably last. I don't know. Eventually. Eventually would win that race. Uh, he was in Alstone the third's normal ride. And uh, he made his way onto the podium during the final restart. He had the fastest lap of the race. Actually, Al did. No? Yeah, by two tenths. Oh. Yeah. But I thought he did for a little while. In practice, he was fast. I believe he had fast time in practice. Yeah. But... Uh, Al Stone III would go on to win. He'd be go back-to-back, back, but coming out of turn four behind him around about fifth place, Ed Gerch and Joe Arena were side-by-side side battling, and Norm Root the third. God, another third. Another one? Yeah. I clicked it. Oh, there it is. He would uh, get a little bit sideways, bobble, go up the racetrack, catch Gerch in the left rear, Gertrude would spin sideways across traffic. Few cars would miss him. I think Aaron Plemons caught a little bit of him in the right side of his car. And uh, Scott Souza wouldn't miss him. And he would melee Gertrude in the left front. 
and neither of them would make it to the line. Gertrude's car was pretty heavily damaged. Sousa's car was pretty heavily damaged. I believe I yeah, saw... Yeah, that was a big hit. He hit him really hard. I believe I saw the brake pedal broken off in Gertrude's car because he shared a picture of it afterwards. Never seen that before. Jesus H. Christ. <laughs> exactly. Oh, I don't know if he had his foot on the brake or the foot hit it or... Well, probably did, and then just the shock of it. Mm. Trying to brace against G-force. Yeah, it's not going to work. Snap that thing like a twig. Just not going to work. God damn. All right. Now, while we were recording, Sid did release the last installment of Sid's View with the SK Modified Race. I did not get to watch it. I do not have any notes. Why weren't we watching it while we were doing the program? Because I would have been distracted and just watched that instead of talking. Because you can't see. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, you're right. I wouldn't have been able to see. wouldn't have bothered anyway. But I think, uh, if I'm wrong in saying, what's his name there? Oh, what's that? What body part dies last? What? The eyes, because they dilate. (laughs) (laughs) Jesus fucking Christ, Jesse. (laughs) What the fuck, man? Is this thing over yet? I don't even know if we're still recording, for fuck's sake. We're still recording. Okay, good. That's good. All right. I told you this is going to be the quickest two-hour show in the history of the world. Because <laughs> we're at hour 28. Uh, oh, I believe Anthony Flannery went back-to-back as well with the SKs. Um, I didn't get to write any notes, but I'll just write you know that to say congratulations, I guess. But I told you guys he's going to win a lot of races real soon. Well, yeah, he figured it out now. Um, and he has a fast car. So, um, I gotta give kudos. People just don't give enough, but you gotta give Waterford and the management and the, the staff there a lot more credit than they're really getting. Remember this racetrack earlier in the season was not racing well, just top lane only car count suffering, you know, because people just didn't want to race on a racetrack that you couldn't pass at. Well, they've been working on it. They responded. They responded. I mean, yeah, it took, well. them, it took them a bit to get it figured out, but like, they, I think they've got it figured out. And because I see that they have a little bit of traction compound, not all the way through the corner, but like, you know, two thirds of the way through the turns. And it's only the bottom groove because the bottom groove is flat wore out. And I think the racing has drastically improved. If you watch these videos, especially in the SKs, yeah, the, you can the, actually use the bottom in the SKs now. By the way, SK lights were off, so they didn't they didn't race. Yeah. Um, but I feel like the racing has gotten much better. Like we are starting to see short track Waterford come back. It's not top groove, and you can't do shit on the bottom Waterford. It is back to almost back to what it used to be, and I'm glad. I'm glad. I, w- I want to see this. It's not just the support divisions. Everybody's benefiting from it, and uh, it's great. Late models proved that you could run both lanes because Palmer was running the top and Brody was running the bottom. And it was pretty damn close either way. So, yeah, give them a lot of credit. Give them a lot of credit in the way that you would show up and come to the races because the season's winding down. And uh, we need to put butts in seats and give these tracks a good send-off before the off-season. So it's just unfortunate that Stafford rained out this week. I would have loved to have seen, well, even if I couldn't see it. (laughs) (laughs) 
Peer through the blur. Peer through the blur. Yeah, I'd put my phone up against my face and listen Squint. to it. Yeah, exactly. Squint through it. And now our Seekonk report with Seekonk correspondent Sean Miner. Thank you so much for writing in every week and spending a lot of your hard-earned money, time, effort, etc. to make our show a better thing. All right, let's go into the Seekonk report. Saturday night at Seekonk saw a lot of close finishes and for once, very little drama. 15 sport trucks started the 25-lap feature. Bobby Tripp started on the pole with Mike Cavallaro starting on the outside in his backup truck. Mike would backslide rather unexpectedly, and Tripp would maintain a half a truck-length lead over Mike Duart as Jake Venata would slide into third. On lap 11, Mike Duart would get underneath Tripp, who would hold strong on the outside. I'm so glad you're reading these names, by the way, because last week I was on the struggle bus. (laughs) Seekonk has the worst names. And, uh, yeah, I'd rather be the one to take the heat because I can take it. It's okay. Anyway. Uh, <laughs> I can take the heat. I'm just glad that you, you're not insulting these poor people. I just don't care. <laughs> Probably doing a lot of them wrong on purpose. Uh, I'll Let's see if I find one of them later. All right. On lap 11, Mike Duart would get underneath Trip, who would hold strong on the outside. I think I said that. In a race that would go green to checker. Tripp and Duart would race side-by-side side for the last half of the race and would not touch each other once. In an instant classic, Tripp would edge Duart by uh, .011 at the line, and Venata would maintain third. He posted a video link as well. I think, uh, I forget what it was, Tracy's videos or something like that. Do uh, Seekonk immediately. Yeah. Um, late models were next and saw 14 cars take the green. Uh, in typical start junk up front fashion, <laughs> Tyler Tomasi and Richie Murray would lead the field to green. Tomasi would lead until lap four until Mark Jennison would get underneath Tomasi. Tomasi would then drive straight into the next corner, cleaning out Murray, who was then hit by Jeremy Lilly and do- ending his radiator and his night. How come you're getting easier names this week? I don't fuck? know what it is. Um, I'm glad for it. Let's see. The the ensuing restart would have Jennison leading Chase Belcher. Jennison would pull away as Connor Souza would make his way through the field. That's the guy I keep screwing up the name. Uh, And pass Charlie Rose for second. A caution due to the pit tunnel being blocked would result in Souza taking the lead from Jennison on the restart. Jennison would not go away, and the two would battle side by side for the last 10 laps until Souza would clear Jennison with one to go go on to win his first late model race by a tenth of a second. Mark Jennison would hold on for second. Chase Belcher would finish third. Front runners put on a great show and never touched and showed what real racing should look like. (laughs) Yeah. 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 21 sportsmen started their 25-lap feature. I mean, Mark Jennison was always good. Yeah, he was never going to run you out. Yeah. Uh, Let's see here. Continuing the theme of start junk up front, Jimmy Sylvia would start pole and Tyler Almeida was on the outside. Sylvia would clear himself by contact. That's Jimmy. Uh, but slide up the track, allowing Craig Bianca. Yes, I believe so. Oops, I don't know why this, why, why this is going on. What is going on here? Your incredibly loud phone is making weird noises. Anyway, <laughs> I don't know what's going on here. Uh, let's see. 
Yep, allowing Craig Pianca to slide underneath and clear himself for the lead with Ryan Lynham in tow. Uh, the stalled car of Tim Watson would draw the caution, followed by Almeida spinning off the nose of Adam Petty with an E. Very good. Jesse's got the applause or something going on in the background. Um, where was I? Yes, Adam, Adam Petty, Petty with, with an E spun Almeida. Uh, while Pianca and Sylvia would battle side-by-side side, Chad Baxter... Would split the alive Adam Petty. Yes, the Petty with an E. Okay. Um, Chad Baxter would split them down the middle because he's a Chad, and take the lead. <laughs> <laughs> I had to. Uh, the battle for second went three wide for a few laps until Sylvia would drive himself up into the wall, retiring his car for the night. Scheduled tweet. <laughs> that was him. I didn't say that. He that was that was Sean. He said that. Uh, a few restarts for back markers would set up a great battle between Baxter on the outside and Lineham on the inside. I think they're kind of teammates, aren't they? Yes. Scoots has those cars, I think, yeah. Um, yep. Uh, Baxter would continue the trend of the outside having the advantage and beat Lineham by a tenth of a second. All right. 14 Pro Stocks end of the night for their 40-lap feature. Daryl Stampville would lead Tom Scully Jr., but Scully would take the lead easily on the outside. I've noticed the pattern here. The outside seems to be working a hell of a it lot is, better. Yeah, it doesn't, doesn't see Conk. We've gone over this before, but see Conk changes grooves yeah. in preference you know, in, in when it's cold, bottom. Yep. Summer months, slick, high side works a little bit better comes in a little yeah and bit. they also just repaved three and four so there's a whole oh, other yeah well they did yeah. repave the whole damn thing didn't they they repaved just three and four i think yeah it was the bumpiest part of the racetrack so um where the hell was i a few laps in mike rotundo would tank slap uh dylan estrella resulting in a cut tire for estrella in the first caution tommy adams would just, uh, give scully a slight challenge but would have nothing for him initially a few laps later adams would get by scully who would lead until a spin from Stampville would result in a restart. Scully would use the outside again to take the lead. That's weird. Uh, the rest of the race would be uneventful as Scully would win by 1.4 seconds over Colby Fournier, who muscled his way past Tommy Adams on the last corner. The Sunoco drive for the cup begins next race, and I would expect lower car counts as there is no incentive for non-playoff drivers to waste the money tires, and fuel to potentially wreck their car. Yeah, what, do they have charters? Give me a break. <laughs> you know? That's why this shit doesn't work in weekly racing. If there's no incentive, people don't do it. Yeah, no one gives a shit. No. I wish Seekonk would go back to normal because then it would actually work. Well, we'll see. If the car counts drop, you'll know why. Well, that's a good reason why. Seekonk has next week off for their Labor Day thrill show. All right, that was your Seekonk report brought to you by our Seekonk correspondent, Sean minor and we appreciate it yet again somebody find him and buy him all the beers for us sorry we don't have any money on us right now though so let's see here i'm going in chronological order but should i do the nascar wheel and modified tour report first yeah probably all right let's do that first but oh, i'll put that on later okay the and this is what i was holding off from our uh, earlier segment where we were talking about the tour and only having 15 cars. Well, the NASCAR Wayland Modified Tour race at Langley, Virginia, broke a record held for 38 years, almost my entire life. Uh, my entire life. By the long-defunct 
Catamount Speedway in Vermont. I believe it was in Vermont because it closed in 1987. Uh, for the smallest field in the series history, only 15 cars took time, which I mentioned earlier, solidifying my argument that the Mod Tour is a Northeast series and needs to not only stay there, but find a way to make it more affordable. <laughs> How long does it take to I, get to Virginia from here? 12 hours, 10 hours? No. 10, 12 hours? Yeah, 10 hours. About 10 hours, yeah. It's about 10. It depends on how, how quick you go over go around the Beltway in in Washington. Well, I don't I don't go 95. I go 80 I wouldn't be paying tolls on I wouldn't be paying for tolls on the Tappan Yeah. On the Tappan Zee. <laughs> not the Tappan Zee anymore. The freaking Going through New York and shit. No friggin' way. A trailer would cost you like 50 bucks one way or more. I don't even know how much it is now. I don't know. Take an arm or a leg, whichever. But yeah, I go 84 to 81. It just, it go around all the major cities. That's just crazy. Yeah, so no one wanted to make that kind of trip. It no, sucks. No, it's, it's too far away. It's, all the teams are based up here. They're not going to do it. You know, that's why only 15 showed up. It's a shitty ride. It is a shitty ride. Let's see. Um... I called it. Well, yeah, you did. You did. Point blank. You were right. Um, it sucked. I, it's the same thing they did to the Bush North. Yeah. It's, it's, it's just any idiot can fucking see it. Yeah, and the current economic climate is really not conducive to really even living, much less owning a race car at this point. So um, regardless of what you think. Uh, inflation's bad, just letting you know. NASCAR Whale and Modified Tour Report with John Lozniak. Thank you again for providing us a report, because I definitely didn't get a chance to see the race, because I can't see in general. I watched it. I mean, you can kind of edit it down a little bit. But, I mean, you know, I like Langley. It's, it's, it's a neat little racetrack. It raced well. It was yeah. a good race. I liked the race. Yeah, it's just that 15 cars showed up. You know? It's like a street stock race at Waterford. Uh, 15 cars showed up to Langley Speedway in Virginia for the checkered flag 150 on Saturday. Austin Beers collected another pole, his fourth of the season. That kid's fast. Uh, side note, Smart Tour, the other modified tour, you know, the so the southern one, had... They, they're smart because they stay in this house. Yeah. They yeah. had 25 cars at a Speedway Friday night. All right. The race would go green until 65 to go when the only caution of the race would come out for the 0-1 of Melissa Fifield's solo spinoff turn four. How the hell I, does she have, how does she get that much speed to spin out is my question. That must have been outside influence. Yeah. I hate the fact that her, I share Her foot number. slipped off the brake. Oh, yeah. I, I really r r lament the fact that I share a number with this. Um, anyway. Well, you also spend a number. He shared a number with the Dukes of Hazard too. So whatever. That's fair. At this point, yeah, and they never actually really raced. They just had a car that they. Well, they did maybe one or two episodes. Yeah, they tried to when run they were away in contract when they were in contract uh, disputes. They were Bo or Luke Duke would you go into Coy and Vance. Yeah, Coy and Vance. Yeah, they would have. <laughs> you know, they're off to NASCAR. Yeah, but the General Lee got left behind. Did you ever notice that? They had a couple of them. Didn't Daisy leave too? And they had the other, some other person. Don't and know. Jesus Christ! The last, the last year or two of the Dukes of Hazzard was fucking horrible. Don't know. Good luck trying to find it. That shit's canceled. <laughs> you can find it. Anyway, where were we? 
The field would come down. Oh, wait. At this point, Austin Beers had lapped up to ninth place. Not hard to do. It's less than half the field. Uh, The field would come down pit road for non-competitive three-minute pit stops. Teams had to change or had a chance to change up to three tires and make adjustments. Race restarted with 56 laps to go with Beers still much in control. With 20 to go, the 22 of Kyle Bonsignor would catch Beers and eventually get to the inside of Beers, getting into one with five laps to go. Beers would be all over the back bumper of the 22 over the last two laps, giving one last shot into three, but Kyle Bonsignor would take his first victory of the season and his first since 2018. His car looked like it was really good going into the turn. He would gain like a car length or two on anybody else. And then the thing would rotate and then stick coming off the corner, so he never lost anything. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I'm trying to do with my car. And I got the first two parts, but I can't get the last one. Yeah, that thing was hooked (laughs) up. That 22 car was hooked up. Oh, yeah. Uh, Let's see here. Beers would come home second, and Justin Bonsignor would wind up third. Eight of the 15 cars would finish on the lead lap. I have the rundown here. I'm not really interested in writing it. Uh, No points update at this time because it hasn't been updated. Uh, unless it has been by now. It is. Silk had a two-point lead over Bonsignor and 41 over Beers coming oh. into the race. Oh, well, guess what? Now it's down to one. Really? <laughs> it's, it's down to, uh, let's see. Let me oh. use my eye drops. Oh. Maybe I can actually see this. Yeah, it's down to one point. Hmm. <laughs> Ronnie Silk has a one-point lead over Justin Bonsignor and 37 over Austin Beers. And there's loads of races still to go. How many? I really hope Boston Beers can come back. Oh, if he could sneak this up, this would be one of the greatest underdog things. I would love to see Murph and the Magic Tones pull this out. Hell yeah. Beers came out of nowhere this year. He's been fast. And Murphy's car has been fast, too. He's a Mahoning kid. Really? He was really good. Well, that's where Eric Beers is from. That's his kid. Oh, well, yeah. Okay. All right. That makes sense. Yeah. Well, there you go, and and they're going to be going back up to upstate New York next week. Yeah, to Oswego, right? Yeah, it's this is the Bud Classic weekend, so this is going to be the Toyota Mod Classic 150 on Saturday. September oh, it's 2nd. Saturday. Yeah, they got the it's it's that Bud Classic weekend. Well, pending, Classic weekend. Pending how my eyes are, I might pending not, rain. I might be home. <laughs> yeah, pending rain. Yeah, they got like one, two, three, four. They got like six races left. Oh shit! They got. Let's see what they got coming up because they got some really interesting places coming up. They got Oswego, Monadnock, which I love. Monadnock, that's a fun little place. Riverhead, which is always a bull ring. Uh, what else? I can't read that far. North down. Wilkesboro. Oh Jesus! They got North Wilkesboro. That'll kill tires. And then obviously the World Series. Thompson and Martinsville. So they got. Wow, there's a lot of racing left for the tour. Well, it's the five field still has a chance to win it. <laughs> No, she doesn't. No, she, she doesn't. doesn't. <laughs> All right. Um, oh, that was sexism of low expectations. We Sorry. said the quiet thing out loud. We said it in stereo. Yeah, we did. All right. Why don't we go to shoot? I don't think I have any more local stuff. Does anybody else? Because I. Mm. Uh, the only other local thing I saw was uh, the Silver Crown cars at Worldwide Tech Raceway there in Gateway. Gateway. Yeah. There's some interesting stuff you found on that. Yeah, Davy Hamilton Jr. won that one. Yeah, Silver Bobby. Boy. Yeah, Bobby Santos was coming. He was saving his right rear tire. It was a. It was a. Uh, it, it was one of those. Uh, uh, 
uh, what do you call it, uh, where everyone falls out. Oh, an attrition race? Yes, that's the word yeah. I'm looking for. It was an attrition race. Yeah, mechanical Silver, Silver Crown cars are still wild, and I can't believe that they ran them on a track over a mile because those things just fuck off down the straightaway. Hey, I mean, we're doing it tomorrow night on iRacing. Well, really? we'll see if my vision's anywhere oh, God good damn there. It, I want to play. <laughs> we're going to actually do the sprint cars. Jesse, hook your phone up. I need the, to I need to tell this shit. Your iRacing yeah, they didn't get home early. Get enough. it on the five G network. You'll be all right. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. We're yeah. They were uh, the Silver Crowns were opening act for the IndyCar race that was there, but yeah, they they run thirty second laps, a little over thirty seconds, and uh, that thirty second lap translates to one hundred and forty six miles an hour. Jesus. So back in June, when the Cup cars were there, uh. The pole speed was was one thirty thirty two seconds thirty two point okay. eight by Kyle Busch and one hundred and thirty seven miles an hour. So it's over almost. It's a little over nine miles an hour faster. The Silver Crown cars are Jesus. They're hauling. They do over one hundred and eighty going going down the end of the straightaway. Could you imagine your ass doing one hundred and eighty in scaffolding? Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> Giant convertible. Let's also put this into perspective. They have no fucking downforce. No, they, they don't. don't have a wing, and their tires are like five inches wide in the front. Yeah, and, fi- <laughs> and fifteen in the rear. You know? <laughs> and it's funny because you watch them go around the corner, and and you could tell just by empathy alone because we've all been in race cars, but not self ground cars, obviously. But through empathy, we could see, man, it looks like they're going for everything that they got. Yet, try not to burn that rear tire off. Yeah. That's what makes them fascinating. Yeah, they're going like hell. It's controlled chaos. But they're not. <laughs> it's weird. Yeah. It's, it's a very weird dichotomy. Yeah, yeah. It's, uh, yeah. Tame aggression. Yeah. That's it. It's, they're hilarious. I love Silver Crown. Silver Crown cars are like the Indy 500. They're one of those things that just kind of never lost their luster. I just wish I could see them more. You know what I mean? Yeah, they're on Mav TV regularly, apparently. Flow. Yeah. Shoot, I got to get back. I pay enough for flow. I don't know why I don't use it as much. Maybe because I can't see it right now. I watch it daily. Hmm. I, I get into my office in the morning. I fire up the computer, and this the top left monitor I have over here instantly goes to flow racing 24-7. I hear you. It just sits there on mute all day and just something to have up in the corner. I can't watch I Normie TV. I hear you, Phil. I, can't I don't watch, watch. I can't watch Normie TV. It's just I don't have night. cable. Fuck cable. I use Cable's I ridiculous. use the live TV feature on my Roku, and it's got Motor Trend TV. It's got Power Nation, Engine Power, Detroit Muscle, all that shit. Like I just fucking turn that on if I want to watch quote unquote TV. Yeah, I have Can't streaming watch type TV, but usually it's only for like sports. Like I don't watch TV ever. If I want to watch subscribe- something, I watch YouTube. Yeah, I subscribe to Peacock. I can watch. All the Xfinity and all the Cup races on there, for the most part. There's mm-hmm. a couple that aren't on there, and I can watch all the IndyCar races on there, pretty much. Yeah. Okay. Whatever. If I miss a race, they're on fucking YouTube. Twenty minutes later. Yeah, I can watch, I'll watch the highlights. The yeah, exactly. And I mean, I've watched all but six races this year, I think. Yeah. Speaking of Xfinity, uh, they were at Daytona. I'll go through a couple little highlights because there was some interesting stuff. There was there that, were lowlights. It's it's Xfinity at Daytona. That's fair. It's not ARCA, but you know, 
there was a huge wreck around, uh, well, not huge, let's say. This was pretty big, about 12 cars around halfway. I didn't list them because, you know, when they get over 10, I'm not listing all of them. Let's see. Let's fast forward. Coming to eight to go, Jeb Burton got loose and spun the whole way down the front stretch because I guess he don't know how to keep a car going straight. Um, that triggered a two-car wreck with Ryan Ellis and Cesar Baccarella in the back there, and Ellis just ate the inside wall. That resulted in a green-white checker restart, and just as Rick Allen said, a clean restart, everyone wrecked when uh, Austin Hill got bumped and uh, went straight to the outside of Trevor Bain after making contact with him. Bain went up. I, I don't know if it was because of contact or whatever. Too many cars were involved after that to list on this as well. And I believe I took to Twitter, X Zitter, and uh, I said that the green-white checker rule in NASCAR was a great way for NASCAR to force the end of races due to lack of cars because they just get rid of all of them due to crashes. Anyway, uh, let's see here. Green white, Another green-white checker made it to turn three when Josh Berry, Josh Williams, Jeremy Clements, John Anonimacek, a whole host of others wreck after tight racing mid-pack. Uh, they really tried for a third or fourth overtime restart. I forget how many it was when Kaz Grala got turned down pit road while taking the white, but NASCAR let it go. Uh, it was down to Creed and Allgaier, and they drag raced coming off turn four, and just as Jordan Anderson wrecked coming through the trioval, Justin Allgaier was able to it barely nose out Sheldon Creed for the win, and I believe uh, it was .005 was the margin of victory, if which was actually quite you, exciting. If you're looking for a unit of measurement, I believe that's a short curly. Yes, if that's that's the American measurement. I didn't do it in like kilometers or anything. Um, let me think. I, I know Allgaier was getting interviewed on the front stretch after he won, and he saw the replay, and he's like, wow, did I actually win? <laughs> he was really concerned. And I'm like, no, it's probably electronic. You, Yeah, I'm certain you won, but All right, so we did that. Let's go there. Nope, I think we have cup and trucks and some other stuff going on here, but we got to mention this first. Kurt Busch finally announced his official retirement from racing on Saturday before the Cup Series race at Daytona. From Cup racing. Yeah. He was really quick to go back and say he still wants to try and do something else at some point. Yeah, but come on. I mean, you look at the guy and he's mentioned how much he's been battling with arthritis and some gout flare-ups and stuff like that. and uh, Gout. Yeah, something like that. What are you drinking? I think you'll see. I, I think you'll see him in a car's late model. And uh, I don't think he's even fully healed from the concussion thing yet, which no. is why but he's I, I also think, having to retire. I do think in a couple of years, or or whenever he is healed, he'll you'll see him in a late model. I don't think you'll ever see him on TV in like Cup or Trucks or Xfinity ever again. He was good in the booth. I think he could do that if he wanted to. Um, oh, he's fantastic. Yeah. Um, he was one of those guys who, yeah, he had a lot of rough spots and character flaws early in his career, but to be fair, a lot of those kind of smoothed out with age, and uh, he kind of tempered down a little bit when he got a little older, but he was still one of those guys, love him or hate him, who it didn't matter what car he swung a leg into, 
he was going to make it better. Like I think he, he won in everything he drove. Yeah, he won in how many different everything. teams has he won for? Five or six? Five or six different teams he won in the Cup Series. He went series from being for. a complete insufferable douchebag to one of the most respected men in the garage. Mm-hmm. I don't, we, I don't think I've ever before. seen yeah. a career turnaround like that. All he, it takes is Jimmy Spencer. Thank you, Jimmy Spencer. Yeah, he got punch him in the face. Like he lost. Yeah, he was good. Everything. Kurt had a you know a cup ride with. Penske and winning and Roush, he won a championship and all this stuff. And then he got that like DUI and character problems and all these other issues that people just didn't Crazy kind girlfriend. of. Yeah, the, the one who thought she was a, a assassin, assassin or, or some shit. That was great. I loved every second of that weird fucking madness. Oh, but um, yeah, his career, he went in the toilet. Like nobody wanted to touch him. I think Finch gave him a, a shot with Phoenix. And then um, Barney, what's his face with Furniture Row, gave him a shot, and he just he built all these teams, and got another ride back up in you know normal equipment, and then started winning again. And then when he started winning, he kept getting better and better and better rides, and then he just kept winning. And then in 2017, his character, his his career arc completely peaked. He won the Daytona 500 for Stuart Haas, and I mean, he won up until. He uh, didn't he win for Trackhouse in the one car? Didn't he hold off his brother or something? Think, like yeah, that? he did. And, uh, and uh, yeah, did he get them their first win? I believe so. And uh, I mean, Kyle him- wouldn't give him a plane ride home. <laughs> that's that. That's that one. Remember? That's a great rib, though. Yeah, that's like a wrestler's rib. Oh, you won. Well, find your own way home, fucker. Yeah, I'm not waiting for you. <laughs> I no, waited for you. I believe, <laughs> yeah, I believe he won the first race for Trackhouse, and yeah. I, and his departure because of his head injury was what spurred Ross Chastain to get that ride. So, uh, I can't remember now, but you know, I believe, no, or, or was it twenty three eleven? He won for the first time. God, I can't remember twenty three eleven. He won for the first time. Did he win for Trackhouse, or did he get injured at Trackhouse? I can't remember now. It's oh. so it's like t- less than twelve months ago, so I can't remember. He got injured driving the 45 car. Oh, was it the 45? Yeah. Hmm. Because Tyler Reddick why did took I think, it over. Why the fuck did I think, oh, it was Reddick that I was thinking of. Yeah, because Bubba went to the 45 the rest of the season. Okay, yeah, I got I really I got really confused there for some reason, and I don't know why. It must be all the prescription eye drops I'm taking, <laughs> ruining my brain. I don't know why I thought he raced for Trackhouse. I, Jesus Christ. I knew it was an expansion. Poisoning you. Yeah, I know. I, I, I thought you meant Phoenix because he definitely drove the one car for Phoenix. And yeah, he won in that. Yeah, that's what it was. Shit. I knew, again, you have all these memories and they just intertwine all at once and you just can't remember everything. And you just, yeah. I'm just off. That's all. But anyway, yeah, Kurt raced for freaking everybody. That's why I can't remember nothing. So, anyway. Yeah, I'm, I'm just kind of glad that he can... It's nice to see race car drivers when they can actually retire and enjoy it. Because a lot of them, they either get head injuries or they get killed or they have other problems and they just can't enjoy their retirement. But I think Kurt's one of those people who actually made it and they can enjoy it. So it's like, look, enjoy it, dude. Take what you can right now. Oh, and he also drove the number one at uh, Ganassi. That's what you were thinking about, Trackhouse. Yeah, there it is again. So he's he's raced the one car, and it keeps intertwining into my memories that aren't actually there and making me think about things that 
that didn't exist. Yeah, that was <sighs> Ganassi. Yeah, I keep getting confused. That's okay. Was shit right, happens. Right, right before. Yeah. Yep, shit happens. Anyway, Cup Series was the regular season finale at Daytona. I wrote Det Yona on my notes, apparently, because I can't see. <laughs> and it didn't correct it. But Deota. Deota. Dat Yona. Dat Yona? Not, not Daytona. It's Dat Yona. <laughs> Jesus <laughs> Christ. This is me not being able to read. All right. Brent, one time I accidentally rubbed ketchup in my eyes. Well, what happened? Now I have hindsight. <laughs> Jesus I Christ. Quit. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Anyway, let's fast forward in this cup race coming because it was pretty uneventful until the end. Coming to the end of stage two, a bump mid turn by Christopher Bell to teammate Ty Gibbs turned him from the outside lane down the track and into the right rear of Ryan Blaney. And he absolutely buried his car into the fence, triggering a massive crash. Easily half the cars involved, many of whom spun to avoid and had flat tires and either required a push or a tow back to their pit. Red flag came out because they ran out of trucks to clean up. Pre-Hans, pre-Safer Barrier, all that, he's dead. That was Dale Earnhardt. That was Dale Earnhardt Earnhardt 2.0. Yeah. As soon as he hit that wall, I said that was Dale Earnhardt. 2001, dead. Yeah. That was a... Big hit. Two thousand. Did you? Two thousand seven. Two thousand eight. Maybe still dead. Well, dead Hans devices. Nah, they had Hans devices, and the cars folded up pretty good. And he would have been hurt. Th- I'm, <laughs> I'm thinking when when was the COT started? When did that come about oh seven? Okay, so any any Gen four, he might have still been dead because those cars crushed. they're kind of small too. They, if you stood yeah. next to one, they're pretty tiny too. They were they were the size of a late model. They were not big. All right, uh, let's see here. Eight to go. Here's something we got to talk about. Ryan Priest got a huge hit to the rear bumper by Eric Jones. I don't know what he expected to happen there. <laughs> yeah, why are you bump drafting for 12th place? He didn't bump draft. He slammed him. Did That's you see his roof draft. camera? Yeah. He had like a 10, 12, 15-mile-an-hour run on him and just never lifted and just punted him. Like, bro, what did you expect was going to happen? Like, even on iRacing, when I know there's zero consequence, I still don't want to do it. No. <laughs> but this was, was real tough. life, and he didn't lift. I'm like, holy shit, guy, there's a line. Where are you going to go? Anyway, uh, so that, let's see, I lost my notes. Okay, that would turn him down, or turn Priest down the racetrack into his teammate, I believe it was Chase Briscoe. Spinning into the infield, and his car would take off because it hit the correct yaw angle. Flying into the I air. Fly. Yeah. Fly, he, he bitches about our dad jokes, but then brings what the fuck that was up. <laughs> 90s. Anyway. <laughs> well, whenever the fuck that song came out. I yeah. don't even want to remember. Flying into the air and flipping no less than 10 times in an incredibly violent wreck. I counted 11. Yeah, everybody else kind of counted 11. That's it. Um, That's why you said no less. Yeah, that's why I did. I'm like, I have no idea. But the car flipped like three to five times in the air alone before landing and taking another series of violent rolls. Uh, It took him a little while to get out of the car, and uh, rightfully so. 
but with the help of the safety team and the uh, AMR safety crew or whatever they are, he would get out under his own power and walk to the stretcher and lay down and take the ambulance ride to the infield later being transported to uh, Halifax Medical Center where he was kept overnight and released the following morning. No word yet on exactly what his condition was, um, but his wife Heather did post a picture on Monday, I believe, no, Sunday morning because it was a Saturday race, of him uh, holding his baby at home at North Carolina. And uh, by the way, if anybody saw that picture of uh, Ryan holding his freshly born daughter after wrecking at Daytona down the entire backstretch. Um, I noticed some, let's just say rather fresh scratches and cuts to his hands and arms. Anybody else notice that? I didn't see it. You didn't see uh, Heather? Yeah, I didn't see that picture. Yeah. Is look, on, see on, if you can look that up. Is it on Facebook? Or? Uh, yeah, I think uh, the Mod Tour group might have shared that picture. It'd be the easiest place for you to look. Um, I'm not sure quite exactly, but, uh, yeah, look there, see if you can find that post, but look closely. I, it's kind of well hidden, but there's a reason, uh, why that would be so. And it's because during the first roll that he took, because it was a, just a bad timing thing for him because where the car took off was like right where the grass was. And it's like, oh, if that thing gets upside down in grass, you're going for a ride a la pretty much anybody back in the 80s, 90s, 70s, whatever the case was. It looked like, uh, it reminded me a lot of Daryl Waltrip's wreck. Rusty Wallace. Rusty Wallace's two wrecks in 93. Uh, what Waltrip's was what, 91? Was that Pocono, Dar- Daytona? Which one was that? I think yeah, it was Pocono. Day- he was at Pocono. Was that what Jimmy Means or whoever that was? I couldn't remember. I can't remember who he spun out with, but yeah, Davey somebody Allison was on top was of Pocono. Him. Also, yeah, Davey he flipped what thirteen times at Pocono. Yeah, that was, that was nasty a one. nasty wreck. Uh, yeah, no. but when Ryan went over and that thing landed, it landed right on the driver's window, and it blew the window net open. Like the window net was gone, pretty much first roll, and also the escape hatch on the roof was gone. Pretty much immediately. So, I mean, you've got an exposed cockpit in more than one angle, and you got a driver flipping wildly through the air, just violently. And right. now you've got two egress points where his body could be like hanging out of the car, or objects could get into the car. And I'm like, man, this is like, what are we doing? You know, we can't have, this is supposedly one of the most safe cars you've created, but now we've got, I mean, there was an excuse back in the nineties because like Rusty Wallace, when he flipped over, the body came off the car, you know what I mean? But that was when it was all fabricated. It was all sheet metal, you know, all this stuff. But like, I mean, there was excuses back in the day. Now we've got this technology to keep the thing together, and we still can't do it. I just, it's, that's really tough. You know, it's, it's, it's frustrating. It is. I'm still helping everybody try to find 
the picture that I was quoting. I, I found it. I thought you guys had seen it. Oh, yeah. Send it through the group chat, and then Jesse can actually see it. I like a picture of the little girl in the golf cart. That's good. (laughs) Florida child. Just go on Facebook. Just go on Facebook and go to Heather Priest's Facebook page. It's the first picture right Like I said, just send it through the group chat, and then Jesse can get it so we don't have to keep wasting the listeners' time talking about it. But anyway. um, uh, But anyway, like I said, you can see his, if you look at that picture, you can see his hands. Uh, I'm fairly yeah, certain. You, might, you, you s- might have to be friends with her. No, nah, Jesse's got it. He pulled it up. Those oh, are, you got it. Those look like almost right. tape marks. Are they tape them. tape marks or they look like some of them fresh... are tape? Some of them are look but like I mean, a lot of fresh scratches on them, don't they? Eh, it could be also uh, ivy marks. Who knows? Yeah, I I see fresh scratches, so I'm kind of concerned that his Paper hands tape got out of the car and might have got beat up a little bit, but. I don't think no, he. No. I don't think they got beat up too bad because, I mean, you know, he was awake and alert and tweeting by the end of the night, and uh, he, I believe, said something about if you want to race cars, you better be tough. And he's just frustrated that uh, shit didn't go right, and I don't blame him. But uh, I just genuinely hope that a few days after the wreck, he doesn't have like some kind of recurring head injury that. Uh, wasn't immediately found or like had swelling because he had a very high G load or I think that's my biggest concern. He didn't take a lot of big hits. He hit the grass, which is going to give quite a bit more than a lot of people really understand watching that wreck. It looks really violent, but I'm sure those grass hits were way softer than if like Michael McDowell's hit wreck at, uh, yeah, smashing uh, into the Texas. asphalt. Yeah, well, make sure you look yeah. at make sure you look at but, the 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 answers before you before you answer them. Make sure you look at the answer yeah. key first. That that aside, <laughs> the, it, I mean, <laughs> oh yeah, def- definitely was not an easy hit. But no, uh, I I kind of agree with Jesse. It looks like tape to me a little bit. Definitely, well, some it's scratches, hard to it's but, really hard to see. But I'm just saying, yeah. I'm saying it, it could be concerning with the fact that under high G rolls like that, your body parts can come out of the car very, very easily, and things can go in the car very easily when it's exposed. So, I think he just got dirty. It very well could. Yeah, I mean, that's a given. Mm-hmm. I just hope his visor was down. Uh, let's see. So, yeah, there's the car was taken back to the R&D center for uh, evaluation afterwards. I think, personally, it... The cage structure held up really, really well. It's just, um, yeah. it's stiff, you know. So I wonder what the they need to take a look at the G load data as well because every one of these cars has those big boxes in it, and they can take all these measurements. So I'm very curious to see what the results of those are, and I'm really kind of sick of the people on uh, Twitter and all these other places like YouTube posting the quote unquote in car video that shows nothing. It shows him get turned, and then the thing goes up in the air, and then it cuts out. And it's like, well, yeah, that was useless. So thanks. Congratulations on the hits for no reason, you asshole. All right. I would like to see the actual in-car footage because every single one of those cars has an in-car camera that's triggered as soon as there's some sort of impact or or rapid deceleration. Yeah. And it's mounted right up in the top right corner, pointing right at the driver. Yep, NASCAR ain't releasing that footage. <laughs> I don't think they have yet because you didn't see it for uh, anybody yet. So, 
The results. Let's Ryan, just... Ryan is gonna not like these races though very soon because I mean, Talladega. Yeah, I mean he... that wreck was a hard fucking hit for him. He he has a knack for finding his way to the front at any given time, and then it usually gets taken away from him rather quickly. Kind of like a Brad Keselowski. Yeah, Brad is usually pretty good at these. And it usually gets taken from him, too, which is why he hates him. So it's like, well, it's not hard to understand why. Anyway, let's move it on because there's some more shit coming. So uh, the resulting overtime finish would see the Fords. Oh, wait, should I talk about Brad Keselowski under red? Because a bunch of people have been talking about, oh, well, he was driving around in a circle trying to put a fire out. They should have, you know, put him to the back or black flagged him for moving under red and all this other shit and it's like yeah but he wasn't going anywhere <laughs> yeah the car was technically moving but he wasn't going anywhere he didn't drive around the racetrack he was in one spot you know what I mean I get it and I get that there's a rule but NASCAR was like well he technically never moved forward or backwards he kind of stayed in the same spot and just put a fire out leave him alone get behind the wheel Oh, that didn't work. Nope. Anyway, um, the result. Yeah, they do. Unless it's a motorcycle. The resulting overtime finish. We kind of went out of order, but whatever. What do you mean? We didn't talk about trucks. The trucks ran on Sunday. Oh, they did. Oh, okay. Yeah. Trucks ran on Sunday. I'm going in chronological order. Anyway, the resulting overtime finish would see the Ford dominate with SHR teammates Eric Amarola and Kevin Harvick going against RFK teammates Chris Buescher and Brad Keselowski. Team RFK would almost tandem draft for the whole final lap as they uh, took the lead, and Brad Keselowski did not pull out behind his teammate and essentially just pushed him all the way around on off turn four, ensuring that not only Chris Buescher, his third win in five races, but Team RFK a 1-2 finish. How's that for who a had, teammate? Who had Chris Busher winning three races in a season on their bingo card at the beginning Nobody. of the year? About the same <laughs> about the same amount of people that had Martin Truex winning like what three, four races on their bingo car after last year. Yeah, right. What a difference. God. Yeah. I mean the team is finally hitting their stride. Brad finally had a good race go his way. So cool for Brad to push him. Like, I mean that's the most selfless thing you can do is just not pull out. Here's the thing. Wait. It, oh. <laughs> Phrasing? <laughs> Phrasing! I, th- I think it is the most selfless thing. Yeah, you're expanding <laughs> the human race. <laughs> you're contributing. There? You're trying at least. Uh, As I'm saying it, I was like, oh, wait. Oh. Anyway. Are we not saying phrasing anymore? <laughs> but if Keselowski did leave Busher and try to win the race on his own, they would have been passed. Could have, yeah. Could have been first to 53rd. Who knows? Yeah, because the SHR guys were not that far behind, and they were teamed up as well. And if they just started playing patty cake and trying to pass each other, they probably would have had that tandem draft before Ryan's, them. Before Ryan's wreck, they had four cars in the top five. Yeah, they did. And then Ryan got shuffled out for some reason, and then he was just charging all the way back and... I think he made it up to like 10th, 15th or something like that, and then he got turned, something, uh, 12th, I can't remember. But anyway, yeah, Team RFK, a 1-2 finish. 
Uh, let's see. Bubba Wallace pointed his way into the playoffs after Busher's win because there was no new winner, and they were and nobody else was able to win their way through into the playoffs. So he pointed his way in. A couple other guys also pointed their ways in or their way in, but since there was only one race left, that essentially already locked them in. Guys like Kevin Harvick and Brad Keselowski, I believe, had pointed their way in. Let's see here. Farton Truex Jr. had won the regular season championship after missing the playoffs entirely last year, while Chase Elliott missed the playoffs this year after winning the regular season championship last year. Sunrise, sunset. Yeah. All right. I'm going to close the show off with the truck series returning to the Milwaukee Mile. They raced on Sunday. They were back for the first time since 2009, and at least 20,000 fans showed up for the race, confirming my belief. By the way, if you saw those grandstands, they were packed. They're pretty full. Yeah, they were full. For a truck race? Come on. Uh, It confirms my belief that Wisconsin, not Chicago or L.A. or wherever the fuck NASCAR wants to try to break into whatever market. Or not just. (laughs) Whatever. Uh, is a thoroughly untapped market, Wisconsin is. I mean, look at when they came to race at Road America. The place was packed for the Cup Series and all the other support races. Then the trucks alone go to the Milwaukee Mile, and the place is packed. Go to Wisconsin. They have a big late model thing going there. It's a good racing uh, area. Anyway, (laughs) it's not a lot up there, I know. Uh, let's see here. Ty Majeski's team had their right rear tire confiscated in pre-race technical inspection. The tire? I believe, yes. And the team was penalized. I believe they had to start at the rear. Uh, more penalties were assumed to be announced later, probably after we released the show. Hmm. What, did they put hairspray on it? Uh, no, I believe they did that old thing that Ryan Newman's team got busted with a bunch of years ago uh. where they put pinholes in the sidewall. Oh, okay. Yeah. I believe they got busted for that. Um, again, they'll probably release that after the show. There was a big wreck when Greg Van Alst had his throttle stick going into turn one and uh, his young motorsports truck, and he hauled off into the turn, collecting Brad Perez and taking them both out of the, out of the race into the wall. That was a big moment. I think Van Alst says, I've been racing a long time, never had a throttle stick before. So I think... Greg is glad that Brad was there. Yeah, because that would have fucking hurt. Yeah, he's that really would have hurt. Yeah, Brad actually got yeah, out of the nuts. car. Greg walked over to his car or truck or whatever, and uh, told him what happened. And Brad walked over to the car and saw the pedal on the floor and just like surprised face, just kind of shook his head, walked away. <laughs> the throttle was probably still on the floor. That's I'm assuming now. That's what he saw. I'm I didn't know it. The, yeah, I guarantee. Yeah, I didn't know it. that the throttle hung. That's what the apparently was. Uh, let's see. Greg, uh, Greg, Grant Enfinger pretty much dominated this thing anyway, uh, even surviving taking the lead back from Carson Hosevar after Hosevar couldn't keep his truck any less than two lanes off the bottom and made, <laughs> made contact with Enfinger's left rear as he was passing him on the outside. It was really weird to watch this race and see people not on the line. You know what I mean? Usually you see guys at, at Milwaukee Mile. If they're not on the bottom line, you're getting your ass passed. But they were like two lanes up, 
and they were still like making hay. I guess there was a lot of uh, grip out there, so I don't know. I watched literally three laps of that race. That's it. <laughs> really? I guess the Arca race was uh, the pre the precursor to that one, and they were uh, entertaining, but not a lot of cars showed up, so I guess it wasn't that entertaining. Whatever. I didn't watch it. Uh, let's I see. I missed that one, and I missed... Uh... I missed that one. I missed the IndyCar race, too. Uh, you didn't miss much in the IndyCar race, like I said. When the guy That's wins, the guy win by a lap. I mean, come on. I know. I mean, it was only interesting up until Joseph Newgarden stepped on his dick and hit the wall. Pretty much, yeah. Yeah. But Grant Enfinger would win his third on the season, locking him into the round of eight because they are in the playoffs right now for the trucks. Uh, right after his team announced they were closing its doors. By the way. Can I, can I read? Uh, 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 Grant Enfinger's victory lane speech? Uh, after I give one statistic. Yep, go ahead. This is Grant Enfinger's 10th career win in the truck series on his 10th different racetrack. And it's funny because he's also <laughs> he, when he was with Thorsport, he won the most races and then he got shuffled back to uh, a part-time schedule which is ridiculous. Yeah, and now he's a championship contender again. Let's go see. ahead. What so, did... Uh, uh, yeah, there you go. I don't think anybody's going to ask if we're going to lay down again. Jeff Hensley's been focused the whole year. There's been distractions going on all year long. So if anything, this has clarity. None of these guys, including me, have a job next year. But I feel like we proved we deserve one. It's like a mix between Kermit and a Southern preacher. Yeah. <laughs> you have to... Yeah. You have to hold your nose like yeah, this. I think I, I think I got a pretty good handle on it, you know. I, it, it was just hard enough to hold that young stallion behind me. Wait. <laughs> Phrasing. <laughs> uh, yeah, I think Jesse's kind of refined that down. If I closed my eyes, I would actually think that it was him. Close. It's pretty, pretty good. good. Uh, Carson Hosevar decided to take a swipe at... Horse uh, face of our. Yeah. Decided to take a swipe unjustly at uh, Ty Majeski by saying the 98 truck, Majeski, got their superpower taken away and we can all race again. Majeski was the best truck all day in practice and NASCAR took it all away, or took it away. All of a sudden, I never saw him all day, which is a stupid quote because, yeah, you didn't see him all day because Majeski started at the back and had to come through the field no less than three freaking times. Because of other mistakes on pit road or a penalty here or there or whatever the case may be. But, uh, yeah, Majeski would have finished easily at the front of the field had he not had to come through the field three freaking times. So no wonder you didn't see him, you little jerk. God, I don't know what these people see in this kid. I just don't. Great, he's young and fast, but he's still a cunt. He's not even that fast. The kid forgets that he lost to Grant fucking Enfinger, who is the new Matt Crafton. Thank Grant, you. Grant Enfinger, in his defense, is a bad motherfucker behind the wheel. He's just got no budget. He's also not He's really... one of us. He's a short tracker. Yeah, I get it, but he's never really done anything outside of the trucks either. But, I mean, what other has he really had, to be fair? You know? Super late models. That's <laughs> all he's really raced. He never tried to get this like up the cup, really. Yeah, that's what kind of sucks. But, again... If you're going to go against the I'd best... I'd to see him with a good opportunity. Yeah, but if you're going to go against the best, you better beat him if you got you know all these people sucking your dick for cup rides. 
but you've raced against guys like Grant Enfinger and Ty Majeski, and they, you know, beat your ass every fucking week. And then you come out and you talk shit. Because they're shit probably up. more talented than what's in the Cup Series. <laughs> yeah. And this kid comes out and talks shit on him and gets his ass beat by them constantly. Yeah. And it's like, you need to calm the fuck down, young man. <sighs> Seriously. Kid, like, he's definitely tried hard this year to change some stuff. But when he reverts back to bullshit like that, just fucking go away. Yeah, he's, he's scared. He's, he's in it. You know, Majeski's in his head. Yeah, boom. Majeski's ten times the kid. Oh, and you know who's going to be the next? So. Uh, and then who's going to be the next? Uh, Matt Crafton and Grant Anfinger, Ben Rhodes. Yeah, and that's unfortunate, but yeah. I mean, it is what it is. Yeah. I am out of notes, by the way. If anybody else has anything final eh, to put you in, you know what? We've done enough. I think we've tortured them enough. It's two hours and sixteen minutes. I think we're the, good here. Of the shores two hour plus show we can ever do. Imagine if we had Stafford to talk about. Oh, my God. It would have been two and a half hours easily. So, anyway. Three. You can find this podcast on every major podcast platform. You can find us on Instagram at Making Laps Podcast, Facebook.com slash Making Laps Podcast. You want to send us some feedback, send that over to f- uh, Facebook. Nope. Send that to Making Laps Podcast at gmail.com. Yeah, do that. You can send it to DMs too. That's fine. Uh, if you want to have your voice heard on the show, you can go over to anchor.fm slash Making Laps or Spotify for podcasters, whatever the hell the case may be. You can find me at uh, BrankLeeson01 on Instagram and Twitter, X or whatever you call it. You can find me on Twix. Twix, yeah, whatever it's called. Uh, yeah, Twitter and Instagram, Brent Gleason 01. You can find me on YouTube. I forgot to push that today. YouTube.com slash Brent Gleason. And uh, you can find Phil at? At PJX Racing on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube. And you can find Jesse. Read this, bud. Here, I guess. Read that right now. Read what? the Iron the Tiger one, bud. Read, what, do you, what do you want now? Read that. We're losing time here. I've heard so much about the eye of the tiger, but how come no one talks about the other four letters? The other four letters? There's an eye of the tiger. I suck at this. <laughs> anyway. All right. Hopefully my vision clears up. And boy, you have one last chance to redeem yourself after last week because I didn't suspend you. How do we end the show? Wait, you can find me having Dorero stuck on Pokemon Masters EX. Oh, uh, yeah, he's playing that again. Read, that, read the highlighted stuff, bud. What did the left eye say to the right eye? What did between, the... Le- between, what? between you and me, something smells. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus Christ. I don't really get what they smell. <laughs> it's your nose, bud. What do we say? What? How do we end the show? Keep the Dursa down a fence. Thank you for listening. All right. Thank you all for listening. I appreciate it. By Albert Einstein.